We can't. Yeah. You can't. Don't move, Hammer. I gave it up. No more harsh malt liquor taste. I've come for King Cobra smooth taste and cold malt liquor satisfaction. So I've heard. Now hand it over. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. It's the new breed. It's quality. Hey, this is it. develop a tolerance for the megajoule cola yeah well, you, 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 you hit a level <laughs> yeah you, you gotta up your game so to speak <laughs> to china white uh jesus well it's a late night i'll tell you uh i'm getting too old for this shit <laughs> <laughs> we're getting old we're starting to we're starting to feel it <coughs> look we were getting funny looks from parents and significant others and Stuff three years ago. Oh, we were, we were going to spend the <laughs> night together, quote unquote. <laughs> we're having a sleepover. <laughs> yeah, again? You, you guys just did that a month ago. <laughs> and now that we do it a couple times a month, it's yeah, still doing it. We're still doing it a couple times a month. Yeah, people aren't even talking to us anymore. Just, just go. We, we've. You got some microwavable pizzas in the freezer. Just <laughs> don't bother. Some Elios. <laughs> yeah, some, some Elios. <laughs> don't have the whole nine. Oh, okay. God, I haven't had an Elios in forever. At some point, I f- I feel like I could be wrong. They changed the uh, the formula. Yeah, because it used to be really really good. I don't know until the mid nineties, and around that time, they did something to it. And it tasted different. You know, it kind of got like almost like a weird consistency on the doughy side on the bottom, and it never tasted the same to me never quite the same but Elio I mean that was like uh, I guess it, I, it's so funny how everything is like and we say this a lot how you know there's a lot of people out in internet land that are listening to us that we've never met but we all have the same kind of childhood yeah and it's weird how we have that where we grew up and we had the same kind of like I remember like uh like pretzels were huge so you microwavable pretzels like little pretzels with little, little cheese soft pretzel yeah, yeah. Little, yeah like a little soft pretzel actually you have to wet the top so you can <laughs> sprinkle the salt on <laughs> yeah yeah so exactly and put it in a paper towel and <laughs> doot 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 <laughs> you get out and it's too hard or whatever yeah. and then that went to like Elio's or well, chicken Eli- wings Elio's was good for me you'd never had a toaster oven no, I did not. I but, had a microwave. But my, my parents, that was like, like toaster oven. We have a microwave and we have you an have oven. a regular oven. Yeah. What do you mean another oven? Yeah. What the <laughs> fuck? What do you think? You're rich? What do you Yeah, rich kid. But, we had but a, you had one and my friend Martin had one. I had one, a yeah. toaster oven when uh, we moved up to Albany. And because, you know, I was home by myself a lot of the time when my parents were working and whatnot. And so I wasn't allowed to use the oven or the stove. Yeah, of course. Especially because it was like an electric stove. You can burn the whole fucking house down. So, and that's da- yeah, those are dangerous because because it'll, sta- it'll stay hot. Yeah, and you can't tell. The but plate, then, but the then top. once you turn it off, it's still hot. Yeah. Whereas, if you turn off the flame on like a gas stove, sure, the metal stays hot for a little bit, but like those things, it will stay on. <laughs> on. <laughs> but I was allowed to use the toaster oven. Oh, wow. So, but and the Elios fit like perfectly yeah. in the toaster. They, oven. they made that for <laughs> that reason, and you turn it. <laughs> And it's like a timer. It sounds so like an egg. I would egg make hot. I was. I would make hot dogs. <sighs> yeah. Uh, either, either putting them in water in the microwave or just putting them in the microwave. And then I graduated to like, 
you know what? I'm going to put these shits in the, in the toaster oven. And I put them in the foil down. It's so like slicing them down so the middle, open them up. So to this day, that's my, my <laughs> technique for a hot dog is to bake that shit in the toaster oven. You know, my wife got me one of these hot dog machines one year that I was like, oh, this is amazing. And like it has rotator wheels and it's so cool and all that. I use that thing once and it's just like, it's so it was so involved. And then you got to clean every yeah, single and, and then there's oil <laughs> everywhere and it's, it's going down to the bottom. Then there's like a part you never knew that you pull out and there's all it catches all the, the, the grout and all that. But yeah, so Elio's. We should get some Elio's for the. We should a bucket we, we of Elio's. <laughs> you know, I'm sure if we went to like Costco or BJ's <laughs> or fill Price the Club. oven with Elio's and then yeah. and then take them out and put them in a bucket. <laughs> yeah, Sam's Club. I mean, I bet you they have a like you know a box of Elio's you can get at one of those um, wholesale yeah. food stores. We were very lucky to grow up in the age of the microwave. Yeah, uh, as kids, because yeah. that was like. French fries? Do you do the like the red box of? I don't remember what the brand was, but there was like a box of French fries. Yeah, and you could put them in the microwave. No, I don't think I ever had that. Um, Chinese? There was a Chinese food <laughs> that you do like sweet and sour chicken and a in little, the microwave and like a little in like a fake takeout container. Well, you know, it's weird because we we were born on the cusp of the microwave coming into vogue because I remember very young not having a microwave, yeah. and then I remember I remember the day my grandfather came over with a microwave in his hand and I helped him hook it up and it, I mean, it was just amazing and then I think they sold me on it because I used to drink hot chocolate when I was little yeah. and this yeah, microwave right <laughs> yeah and this <laughs> microwave had chocolate up. it had the thing where uh, oh had like a probe there you go it's called the probe leg like, knows well it's, you, you plug it in and it's, it had like a mini jack like it, like a like a like a a quarter inch, like, yeah. Yeah, like a headphone jack. You plug it inside in the microwave, and then the probe would be like a metal rod yeah, you'd put in the hot. Actually, had the temperature take the temp for it. Yeah, you. and then it would, and then it would that would it'd heat that metal rod, and that would you know heat the heat the thing. So, but I remember we had like microwave books, like how to oh, cook. Oh yeah, how to it was like you know how to like gourmet <laughs> cooking your microwave. You know, <laughs> yeah, like steaks or turkey. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because they were pushing. <laughs> You know, the screw TV dinners in the 50s and 60s, like in the 70s, they were pushing, like, you could do full meals in the microwave. And then it never turned out, I don't think I could say that we used to cook it wrong, but it never turned out, you know, well, that's a, it's a microwave. You know, yeah. I mean, you can't, it's it's coming out, what is it? It's about radiation, and it's in the middle coming out, so it was always like, you couldn't never get anything, like, yeah, toastery it's crisp. It's like heating up the molecule. <laughs> yeah, to make it, um, yeah, so everything came out like, like, it's it was always good for reheating something for me. Yeah, well, I know you, like, you... I don't know if I don't. Maybe there's listeners. I never cared for it, but you like pizza heated in the microwave. I do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I won't eat it cold. I mean, I would, but I like it reheated. Yeah. I mean, I will eat pizza cold, but if I reheat it, it would be like oven. Well, I guess you didn't have a toaster oven, so. But like that was my only option. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> so I mean, I guess it, I'm turning it, the oven on. Then it, does, it does make sense, but yeah. there, there is something that happens to pizza in the microwave. Yeah, it gets a little. Yeah, exactly. It loses its the Christmas, and you yeah. know. So I've never had the benefit to have, to be able to have that toaster because the toaster would, except for like the one year we lived together in Yonkers, <laughs> he had access to a toaster oven. Yeah, and I think I was a little scared about using it because <laughs> I'd seen it's a toaster, it's an oven. Yeah, how, how do I put things in? Can I cook? Th is this a reheating device or does heat things up from the beginning? <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah. But this brings this one brings back a lot of memories. We've had a lot of people been asking us to do this one since the inception of the podcast, and uh, to eat a whole Elio's pizza. Yeah, eat nine slices as fast as we can. <laughs> Who box? dictates how small those things are too? Those those pre-cut slices. Yeah, you know. And then you know now me being an adult, Jesus, I'd be so pissed at myself young because I can eat a whole box of them back in the day. 
So my mom buys me, how much does a box of Elios cost? Probably like, I don't know, six dollars? Six no who, who knows? And then, you know, your son's eat or your kid's eating it in one sitting. You're like, save it! You know, <laughs> Damn, money doesn't grow on trees. Pizza <laughs> you know? doesn't grow on trees, Dion. Jesus Christ, don't you know there's starving kids and... But speaking of kids being left alone and bored. And, yeah, left to their own devices. <laughs> That's a, this is a perfect movie for that. Yes, yes. Um, in case you blindly downloaded this. <laughs> yes. This is Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. That's Dion Baya. And that's Jay Blake over yonder. And today... And we're doing a childhood favorite. A yeah. childhood classic. Yeah. From 1985, circa. From 1985. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, what's his face? <laughs> this one's going out to... Casey Case. All the young lovers. Yeah. Who like to get it down real deep. Clocking it at number two. The Goonies from 1985. Um, the great Richard Donner. Yes, Richard Donner and everybody. There's a lot of people in this. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, now I, I kind of love that, you know, now that we've been doing the show for, I don't remember. A couple of years. Yeah, I don't know. Was it, Three are we, are years, we in our four fourth years. year now? One, two, four, you can't carry a four. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, you could say that. Because we're having our fourth anniversary this year. Yeah. September, right? Well, let's see. We, we count yeah. Batman. Batman Bat- Punisher, an anniversary. Punisher, Batman. Punisher, Batman. Rocketeer. Rocket, the Rocketeer. Rocketeer. Rocket. Uh, and then what was the last? <laughs> Where's the rocket? Where's the rocket? <laughs> and then uh, was Rocketeer, then the la- next one would have been Lost Raiders of Lost Ark? Yeah. Where is the well, Ark? That's, <laughs> that's, okay, that's four episodes. Yeah. That's four. So this will be our fifth Okay. Because so. we started in September of 2000. And anyway, yeah. so we've been doing the show for a while. <laughs> yes. And we're starting to have the... Uh, we're starting to have a lot of repeat oh, people. Oh, people coming over to sleep Alum, over. Alum, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a, a, a crap toad in this one. A crap <laughs> toad. <laughs> <laughs> there's a crap toad in this one. It's a crap toad of people in this <laughs> Yeah, and I won't tell you that the crap is toting. Uh, so Donner. Donner repeats, yeah. Re- Donner repeats because he produced... The Lost Boys. Yeah. We were trying to watch the fucking Lost Boys. Fucking Lost Boys. Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman, also Lost Boys alum. Uh, And Gremlins. And Gremlins. Which also is, brings us to Chris Columbus. Who Uh, wrote wrote this. Who also wrote Gremlins. And who also wrote a... And directed Adventures in Babysitting, which we did last year. And did he, did he write... Did he write uh, like Dutch or something? I, you know, I was thinking about that he earlier. He did something up there in my head. I was like, did he do something with Dutch or Home Alone? Chris Columbus? We didn't do Chris. We didn't do Home we Alone didn't yet. Do Home Alone. But I feel like he did something like that. I feel like he's done something else that we've already done. We, I don't think we've had the well, Brolin on before. Like I said, he did Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think um, he's done anything else that we've done aside from. Let's see. Um, well, who else have we got in this stellar cast? We have the. Oh, um, we have what's his face here? We have uh, Sean Austin, uh, which Aston. might be the uh, Austin Aston. Sorry. Uh, uh, oh, Sto- you know who else? Stone Cold Sean Austin. Stone Cold Sean <laughs> Austin. Uh, Martha Martha um, Plimpton Plim- Plimpton. Yeah. She was in Lethal Weapon. Another Donner connection because we did Lethal Weapon last. Oh, yeah, Christmas. we did. See, there's another Donner connection. And she was the uh, the psych evaluation person on uh, Riggs. Chris Columbus did not have anything to do with Dutch. Okay. Oh, maybe that was what's his face then? Uh, who, who John did, Hughes. John Hughes. He might have wrote that. He wrote. He wrote Dutch. Yeah. Uh, but she was, and then I feel like she was in another movie we did. Was she like in who, Who's the Mother in Monster Squad? 
She's the mother of Monster Squad. So that's a, she's in three, though. She did, she's in Lethal Weapon as the psych evaluator. Oh, no, that's not Martha Plimpton. Martha Plimpton is the, is the friend, I think. Oh, I thought that was the mother. No, that's, uh, that's Mary Ellen, Mary Ellen Trainer. Oh, okay, yes, I'm sorry. So, yeah, so she's... She was in Monster Squad, yeah. And then she's in Lethal Weapon, Lethal and she's Weapon, in this. Yeah. Uh, who else we got here? She's not only the mother to the Goonies, she's also the mother to the Monster Squad. So, and then that's, that's kind of, we're in the same realm. So we have a lot of repeaters on and this And then episode. you have the... And then from Monster Squad to Lethal Weapon, you got the Shane Black connection. Oh, yeah, okay. Which she, Shane Black doesn't have anything to do with this. But it would be really cool <laughs> but if that, we did. But that connects those two movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, who else? We got uh, Carrie Green. Yeah, yeah. She was in Summer Rental. Oh yeah, she was in Summer Rental as the, as the older sister. Yeah, or as the sister or the daughter in it. Yeah, Candy's uh, daughter. Yeah, we did that one. And uh, let's see, we haven't had Davi on yet, have we? Did we have Robert Davi on? Because we've talked about him. <coughs> we've mentioned him, but I don't think we've done a movie with him. And Joe Pantoliano, have we had him on a? I, f- I feel like he's been in so many movies. That's a guy. There's who, a lot of. Mo- I would love to do fucking the Fugitive. Well, I love the Fugitive, but I would love to do Midnight Run sometime. Oh yeah, let's <laughs> do. Yeah, he, he's in Midnight Run. Yeah, he's in a slew of stuff. I mean, he's not doesn't have a huge part in Midnight Run, but he's got a, fa- a fairly sizable. See part. me, I, I'd love to do Throw Mama from the Train, and we've got what's her face in here, uh, Annie Ramsey, maybe is that her name? Uh, playing, you know, yeah, Mama. Annie Ramsey. You know, she's the other the other thing. Did you know? I'm gonna jump in right for this second before we, and then I'll come back out. Did you know? Take take a guess how old I'm thinking. She's like in her seventies. That that lady. She's 34. <laughs> <laughs> well, she dies 1988. This is 85. She just throw mama from the train like 86 or so. She's she's doing other things. She passes away uh, 1988. She passes away at the sweet old age of 59. Oh. So that's like Joseph Kern's Mr. Wilson. He's 49, Mr. Wilson, and on the old Dennis the Menace. I thought he's in his 60s. So it's like it's a lot of hard living back in the old days. It was. You know? A lot of cigarettes. Yeah. What was she else? She must have had. Wasn't it like she had a piece of her tongue? She was, she was, like, I did. She was missing a piece of her oh, tongue Jesus. for some reason. I did not know that. Look at the. You know, <laughs> those ninja, that really did. Know, the maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. <laughs> There's not too many people out there. This So this reminds me. Her, well, her and Eddie Van Halen. Both missing pieces of it. Eddie Van Halen's missing the pieces of his tongue. cancer. Uh, this is recently? Mm, I don't know. 10, 15 years ago. But post Halen. Yeah, post. Yeah, post yeah. the big days. The yeah, big okay. Days. I thought you meant like maybe as a child, so he had to like figure out how. It's like t- Tony Iommi trying to figure out how to play. With well, you know, because he was a, he was a huge smoker, but he blames the fact that he used to put the pick in his mouth. That's the reason why he when he played. And what would the oh, when he the, would do like the fig? He said like the plastic of the pick. But yeah, I guess. he was a fucking huge smoker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he might even still smoke. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, side track. So let's see. Growing up. This was uh, kind of the childhood I kind of had, where we would um, move into suburbia, get in our bikes. I had a Huffy, like a red Huffy bike. It, it kind of like, you know, it wasn't good enough to be doing like uh, street, like, you know, BMX-like tournament stuff on it, but it was a pretty decent, nice bike. And, you know, I feel like you and I have discussed this a lot recently, but I feel like this is the childhood that like kids nowadays do not have. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, you know, you get on your bike, you go play with your friends. You ride into town. You, yeah, you, yeah, you can go, you go, and then, you know, your parents are kind of like, don't go past Piper, or don't go past, like, you know, 
MLK Boulevard. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you have this area that you, you're allowed to like play. And then, of course, you'd go anywhere you wanted. But we'd have parks, we'd have streets, we'd have brooks that we'd play along. We'd, you know, there was woods. I mean, I lived in a pretty good suburbia that was kind of urban and then kind of suburban. So. We get off to so many insane adventures. Wherever our bike and pi- bike us do, we go to the local market. We get ourselves like you know a, 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 a can of Coke, a Three Musketeers, or a Twix, and whatever change we had left, we get some Tootsie Rolls. My friend Martin used to get like Frito Lay's, and that would be our meal. We'd take it in brown paper bag it to like the park, and we'd have these crazy adventures, much like watching this movie, Explorers. Um, uh, I guess to a certain extent, uh, Monster Squad. Yeah, well, you know, we've talked about this kind of lost, this dead subgenre of kids' movie. The Americana. A few times, because we did um, Flight of the Navigator. Yes. Uh, even Last Starfighter. Yeah. Had, had, he's a yeah. little bit older, but still, this idea of like kids on an adventure. Yeah. And it was such a big thing in the 80s. Yeah. And if they, I feel like there was a revival. You had, I mean, you could probably trace it back to like the our gang with like the Little Rascals, and I'm sure in the '50s you had like again Dennis the Menace, these kind of shows. But then maybe with the revival of I, you have in the '70s kids doing things, kids, you know, you get your bike, you're able to go skateboarding and all that kind of thing. But then when the '80s hit, you have these kind of movies where it's like a kids. There's just a lot of them. There's you know, you know, the ones we mentioned, which we did on the show, like you said, Monster Squad, Explorers, Stand by Me. Stand by me is kind of like the more serious, yeah. morbid <laughs> version of it, but definitely of that. I'm sure there's tons of other like TV, uh, you know, ones that qualify. Or, no, you know. and then there's like the, the there's the horror aspect of it, which is like you know, in the horror movies, you always have like that the kids know there's something wrong, but nobody believes them. I mean, in a way, The Gate is very much like kids. Which we did. It's a horror movie version of it. Yeah. Um, Kids on an adventure, kind of. I mean, Lost Boys, to a certain extent, as well. Invaders from Mars is remade in the 80s, and that's kind of the same thing kids know. But the very, like, the aspect of, like, the fun adventure, that was something that was just, like, solidified for us uh, with... I mean, Goonies is probably like the pinnacle of it, you know, yeah. like the, the you know the apex of kids <laughs> kids on an adventure movies in the eighties. I think you know Robert Rodriguez tried to do it with Spy Kids, yeah, and then I think the biggest incarnation of it is Stranger Things, yeah, now, but uh, which is all kind but of even that it's like it's taking pl- that, that takes place in the time when these movies yeah. were big, so it's it's definitely a direct homage to these kinds of things with like the uh, the element of horror. Like Stranger Things almost seems like they just looked and so- what's popular from back then. Let's take all these. Yeah, I mean clearly you know, those guys that make that show are probably our age or a couple years older than us. Yeah, sons of bitches. And so they're just remembering their own childhood. Yeah, <laughs> and it's something you can't do anymore for whatever reason. I mean, with the modern age of the cell phone and the internet and, and stuff, uh, it seems like kids just stay home and inside now. And then also parents are worried to let the kid go out well, yeah, and do anything. It's the, it's the era of like play dates. Yeah. You know, where you, it's an appointment. It's by appointment now. Yeah, you can't just go play. out. You can't just like you know, and, and then you know, it's even to the point where you think it'd be probably weird where you'd see like a kid just riding around on his bike, like oh, nobody's watching that kid, yeah, you know, on the highway. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and this was pre like I never wore any pads or helmets. Oh no, no. helmets, you know, pads. and I <laughs> that's poppycock. <laughs> and I remember like you know when I was getting out of riding my, I graduated from a huffy to 
Then I got kind of like a, a pseudo mountain bike, which was really nice uh, as I got older until I stopped riding when I was in high school. And I remember that was when it was coming in, like, you know, people to, to wear your pat helmets and pads. And, I, you know, younger kids were starting to wear it. But it was like, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many falls I've taken oh, and yeah. layers of like skin. You know, like real messed up things we did on bikes, you know. And then now it's like if you if you tr if you mimicked any of those, it's like how how injured you'd be. They have like skateboard kids, and I grew up in Philadelphia, and so I moved out of Philadelphia when I was like eight or nine. Yeah. So I mean, I was pretty young, and you'd have like the local kids, and it was suburban, but it was also a little urbany. Yeah. Um, and you would have people make like ramps, you know, like skateboards, oh, yeah. and stuff, and I, you know. And being a little kid, the ramp would come up to, like, my waist. Yeah, it's like three, two or three <laughs> feet high. <laughs> you know, and I was little, so it wasn't really that high, but in comparison, the ratio to <laughs> the height ratio to me, and you'd be fucking going off that thing on a bike with no helmet. Yeah, I remember taking my bike and, like, like the, being at the local, like, um, playground that was connected to the school and, like, taking, lugging my bike up like it was a great idea to take it on top of the thing and try to take the bike down the slide. But then you don't you realize quickly the reason why you you pull your the front up because if you if you don't you know you're gonna and I you know when <laughs> I went head over tits as they say went right over the handlebars and then it, and then back then it wasn't even like nowadays you look at like they have like uh it's kind of like a soft kind of like rubber back then it was all just like gravel yeah you know they just pour gravel in there and then you know so you or just cement or just cement and you just fall blacktop yeah i mean you just get i mean yeah if you're getting like urban areas it's just like fuck it you know they need to, <laughs> they need to learn how to you know survive somewhere but i mean it's just it's such, it's such a forgotten era where like you know i don't think we need to say this to people who listen to us but it was prior to cell phones you get home from school you or you'd walk home with your friend you go There's to no their internet. house no internet and that was what you do. You'd see what was on TV, you know, when you get home. and you Lots of little G.I. Joe, or little Transformers. Yeah, uh, Ninja Turtles, whatever the hell was on. Yeah, you know, little gummy bears, little, <laughs> <laughs> little tailspin, <laughs> little tailspin. Woohoo, you know. And the, or you'd go outside and you'd go play. And, and this is certainly, these are movies that I remember we were watching, like the Warriors would be on or, or, or all these. And then we were like, hey, let's just go outside. And we go into the, my friend Martin's backyard. And we 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 have these crazy adventures, and there was a brook near him, so we go down to the brook, and we can you know play uh, uh, crossing this thing, and and we even had like a gang, and it was really funny. My friend Martin, who I always bring up in this cast, he, we 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 started this local street gang with all the little kids around, and Martin's dad in the backyard, who you've been to his whole house, yeah. Uh, uh, he they had two sheds, so they had like a big shed you'd put your bikes in, then he had like a little shed that was like metal. And uh, it had like a roof that was like plastic, but kind of like see-through. So you know, like so during the day, if you went in, it was kind of bright so you inside. Throw your pot. In yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know, kind of like that. So we 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 kind of commandeered the little shed uh, to to be like our our uh, clubhouse. It was the it was the clubhouse. Yeah. So we would go in there. So we 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 first thing we do is we steal all all Martin's brothers like rock magazines and we're putting up Van Halen, uh, Def Leppard posters, all, you know, Anthrax, all the Motley Crue. So we're taping them all up inside the shed. So poor Martin's dad and them, what the fuck when he's getting like his <laughs> tools out, you know. Pulling out the lawnmower. Yeah, then the next thing we do is like we needed to have an initiation. So our initiation, which is probably, it's I like think the, it's like a federal offense it's now. It's like the beginning of Assault on Our bowl of everybody <laughs> dropping some blood in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're all blood, doing, we're, taking blood, we're taking blood oaths. Um, our initiation, we were stealing like pa local papers from people's uh, 
what do you call that? The front stoops, which is I think a federal offense now, you know. But it was like the little. It wasn't the local. It wasn't the official paper. It was like the town paper that no one yeah, would get yeah. the circle. It's called like the circular or whatever. So we took all them, and I think the reason we ended up getting caught was because we had a mound of these newspapers <laughs> in, in Martin's dad's shed, and his dad's like, "What the fuck, guys? Are you doing? What are you doing with all these circulars? Why <laughs> you stealing these other people's? This is Mrs. Thompson, Miss Deskins." Um, we ended up stealing, I think, his brother's like playboys or penthouses, and we had the bright idea to like start cutting out the girls, and we're putting the girls. <laughs> <on his side. laughs> so, and that's when his dad was like, "You got to cut this out." But for a while, we had this gang, and it was very much like it wasn't so much like Goonies, but I'd say it was a little more like the Explorers. We thought we were going to build something and yeah. like you know build a plane somewhere or whatever, or build some sort of well, like that tank. Was, you you know, know, watching I hadn't seen Goonies in I don't know. 15 years at least. At least. Uh, and even then, probably not in its entirety. I remember at some point watching it with like the video commentary with uh, Dave Hastings, who gets mentioned on the show often, who's on our Silver Bullet episode. Brothers Hastings. But um, watching it this time, it was, you know, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the greatest hits of the 80s. You know, if he threw a ninja in there, it'd be <laughs> you'd be all right. <laughs> but it was like you know, pulleys and gadgets and booby traps. It was like this was all you know. What were we? Uh, I guess with Clue, we were talking about uh, like secret room, like compartments. Oh, and stuff oh, in oh the passageways, house. yeah, Passage, from Webster and stuff. Secret passageways yeah. and how- that's all you need. You need some like like <laughs> mansion with a pad. You know, <laughs> there was certain things that I don't. I mean, as because I'm not a kid now. I don't know if these things are still like relevant to children. Yeah, but there, there are. There's like this slew of things that we, when we were kids, that were like seemed like right really big things. Yeah, you know, like like secret passageways and glue, and like all these gadgets that Data has, and BMX and like, bikes, everyone on their bikes, and booby traps with like. You know, and then setting up like a oh, Rube Goldberg, like just like the pulley. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, setting up something to open the the yeah. front gate when you have to knock over, <laughs> you know, like a a bowling ball thing. You know, this these elaborate things because you see that. I mean, you know, like he was uh, big adventure. Remember, he was big adventure. You know, just, all that just to, and, just make breakfast or something. And even um, you know, back the beginning of Back to the Future yeah. when he goes to Doc's house. Doc has all this stuff. Going you know, this which like, I always thought was so hard to set back up. Someone else is going to come over. <laughs> You know, like in Grim in Grangoonies, is it does it does it, I wonder if it slows down, does it fix itself or you gotta go now set that back up and get pull know. the to- you know, it was like really is like all that trap. worth it you just walk down and open the gate. Yeah, it just takes <laughs> dun, 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 But so it was like I'll see all this stuff was like, Oh yeah, like this shit was so much a fabric of our childhood. Yeah. Um I mean not that I ever really tried to set anything like that. I guess we all did try to. Yeah. Set up things that would do stuff like that, but never on the scale that it's in the movies. No. Imagine you're pulling out a bowling ball to do something like that. Your dad would... Yeah, you take a chicken. What the fuck are you doing? That's in front of my car. taking the bowling ball? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you going into the shed? <laughs> Where are my playboys? <laughs> you know, and it's just... Uh, uh, it's just all these elements you, you, you take together, and it just makes this this hodgepodge of this uh, this insane kind of a, a a movie this adventure and it's uh this is a movie i haven't watched probably in 30 well, years i'm sorry it just popped in my head what? uh never ending story never ending story that's another kid in it which we covered a couple yeah. of years ago that's the same thing but i mean this because yeah. i was thinking very much along the lines of 
especially with the soundtrack in this movie when they find the map oh yeah you yeah. know there's something magical like it's kismet you yeah, know yeah. it's fate yeah you know they he looks he sees it and then they knock over the thing and it's chester cobber pot or whatever and yeah it was like there's something like it was meant to be well, it's very yeah it's very well that yeah there's a lot and of so like the book like the kid finding the book in the yeah. story there's and something i'm gonna go yeah there's a correlation to me like being up in like a weird attic space <laughs> reading this uh, <laughs> having you know, something ancient you know and there's another movie lady in white which the with the kid from et yeah you know no, that, is that the kid from et i thought it was the kid from et I, it's either the kid from et or might be lucas haas maybe yeah it looks kind of like him but like him or even et in itself a little bit is kind of this kind of a uh, oh, yeah. idea, you I know. Mean, that's, he, totally. I mean, E.T. I mean, well, I mean, it's all Spielberg, right? <laughs> Spiels, yeah, Spielberg. I mean, he didn't do Lady in White. No, but, no, but uh, but this idea of yeah, E.T. Totally. I you mean, know, E.T.'s. You know, it's a, these are all these elements from our childhood, and I hadn't seen this movie in thirty years, and I had forgotten it so much that it's one of these examples where we start watching it. And then you're remembering ahead of yeah, time. Yeah. And then you're remembering the music cues. Like, dun, 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 dun. And like, oh, he's got the gas. What's he doing with the gas? And, oh, oh, it's a Jeep Cherokee. And then all these getting him out of jail. And it's like, and then you remember, you've forgotten. So It's almost like when you lo- learn like a martial art or like a musical instrument. You learn it as much as you can and you forget it. And then so it's like when I forgot it all, I was like, oh, I remember this and that. Oh, did I? You know, then you're trying to remember your, your emotions with, like, I remember that was so cool at the beginning when Robert Davi, uh, tricks the, the the guy thinking he was hung himself. I'll be like, honest you with know? you. Watching it this time, I don't know if I've ever seen that scene before. Like I don't know if I've ever seen the beginning of Goonies. Oh, until, really? With until the whole because <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this at all. Oh wow, yeah, that was huge for me. I love that idea when he was little, him having the pipe and you know, and then them breaking out, and then I mean, you remember the the beginning montage, them like. You know the car chase and not really chunks. He's here's the only the, one who sees it. Here's the interesting thing about Goonies for me is that like I totally missed it yeah. as a kid. Like I didn't go see it at the movie theater. See, I know this, but you're you're educating the uh, the yeah. o- the audience, the listeners. Uh, and I was pleased that when we watched it uh, earlier tonight, that I I enjoyed it. Yeah, because it was not a movie that I grew up with. My cousin, who's around my age, uh, he was way into it. But I didn't see it at the movies, and I didn't have cable at my mom's house. So I just, I did see it at some point. Like I said, maybe not even in its entirety. But so I was familiar with it. I do remember my dad was very big into the idea of me reading, which is not a bad thing. Well, not a bad thing. So he would, he would often subscribe me to magazines, like highlights. He'd be like, hi, hi. <laughs> definitely I had highlights. It would be like Sports Illustrated Kids okay. edition. Uh, Remember the uh, the animal one? Did you get the? It would come and it'd be like Safari or something or National Geographic. Yeah, and you'd open it and have like the skeletal yeah, system. Yeah, the, the, you see <laughs> the muscular that was, system. I was always interested in looking at the muscular. Yeah, of the uh, of the cheetah. Yeah, <laughs> that I had that. I would have. I had a subscription of that. Sorry, I got a little excited um, there. I feel like I had even had like a kids readers digest. Yeah, type I'm one. sure they had that. because it was a small magazine. But anyway, little pickles, pickle school bus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I had pickles. Sure, I didn't either. Uh, I never knew anybody who had them. But money. one of the thing in some magazine, there was you know in the center yeah. of the magazine where you have like the staple, the staples where you can, you can pull. It's where they would always put the poster. Yeah, you can rip that shit out. You can rip that shit out. Yeah. That's one page. Uh, there was like the Goonies map. Oh wow! It was like a full, like a, like a center fold thing. Yeah, but not fold. a fold, just yeah. like a center page. And then, now hold on to your hold on to your seat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm holding. When 
you turned out the lights, there was a picture of sloth that glue in the dark. Shut the front door. <laughs> so, on the map? Yeah, on the map. Like, you couldn't really see it? Yeah. I mean, obviously you could. Yeah, but, but then like, it's... But then when it, you know, after it would be charged up. <laughs> <laughs> under the, under the light. <laughs> Holding a piece of paper to a hot light bulb. <laughs> For as long as you could. And you turn it off and then only half of the thing was charged where the light bulb was. It's a real good But uh, there would be like this outline of sloth, like this drawing of sloth and i had that shit hanging up on my wall that's amazing that, remi- a kid. that reminds me of like in 87 or so i remember they gi joe would come out with some sort of like activity magazine and it'd have a couple stories but it was more like you'd have uh you they'd give you that red like gel that you can look through and then you'd like you know find the code oh, yeah, you know it's, yeah. it had a lot of that kind of stuff and stickers and stuff but it's like that and glow in the dark or that reminds you of like stars when we were little you know you're gonna like I'm gonna make a star field and you like you get you get the pack and there's only five in there. <laughs> like, how am I gonna you know it's gonna be really expensive to make you know this and then you you do all that and then you know you turn the lights out and they glow. But so like I knew of Goonies. Yeah. And like I said, my cousin Jimmy was way into Goonies, but uh, and you weren't really into it. I remember college like eh, Goonies. Yeah, and then you know? and then I watched it at some point either in college or just after college and was like this shit does not hold up. Yeah. Like this shit is fucking bad yeah uh so when we watched it tonight i was very maybe it was because i had in my head like this movie's not that good uh that when we watched it tonight i was i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah, but i, I had a lot were, of fun with it i thought you came around before this viewing yeah maybe i mean maybe in in theory yeah well also like the, back then i was very i don't know i was very uh i was tough I was a tough critic mm. <laughs> on shit. Mm. And somewhere around like my late twenties, uh, I started just like, eh, why be critical? Things are great. Movies are great. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like why get all bent out of shape about horror movies or whatever? It was like, yeah, movies are a beautiful thing. It's yeah. magic. It's fucking magic. And this certainly they're all great. Yeah, this certainly like I think. Uh, Gave a nice dose of imagination to a lot of kids who. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely. How many, think of how many kids like, okay, we're going to find a Chinese kid named Data. We're going to have <laughs> a, a, a heavy set kid. We're going to name him Chunk. We're going to, you know. Well, that's, the, that's the days of, you, you know. You can do that kind of thing. Yeah, fat kid. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you, you get a little into this, and it's like uh, watching it from adu- an adult perspective today, which is kind of funny. It's like I almost feel like, uh, I mean, I don't want to, like, poop the party. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, um, poop the potty again. again. But uh, it's like there's a there's a level of bullying that's being accepted with poor chunk. You know what I mean? And it's and it's almost to the point where it's like poor chunk is like really, you know, they're really laying into him. It's like I um, I that's not that's a poor example because no one will get it. But anyway, but it's like yeah, watching it now, it's like oh my gosh, and it has a lot of the reoccurring things we talk about. We we've talked to death the themes of like uh, you know uh. Monster Squad or the movie, you know, stuff that was popular <coughs> in the fifties and sixties, having a re- like a revitalization in the eighties because it's the people who are making the movies yeah. reminiscing, and you get that like at the beginning of this movie, Corey Feldman, like a lot of his jokes, he's doing Groucho Marx impersonations, he's doing uh, like Rocky and Motown references. I mean, they reference Michael Jackson, but it's like there's a lot of stuff that people would not at all. There's a reference to Martin Sheen being uh, RFK and Missiles of October, which is a TV movie from the late 70s that was <laughs> huge at the time, but yeah, no one's yeah. going to know that now, you know? So it's funny that you think of, um, we always say, I guess this is a further example of like, you know, 
that nowadays we wonder if young people even know who all these people are. But back then, we they were, oh, you know, you can make a James Cagney joke, you can make a Humphrey Bogart joke or Earl Flynn, and we'd know what those references yeah, yeah. were, were, you know... Corey Feldman's doing like Groucho, oh, well, you know, <laughs> with the cigar, you better put it in your mouth, you know. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. funny that, you know, you see this going on. This to me, in this viewing, it's like this movie, it's kind of like, I, you know, you have Donner, Richard Donner doing it, you have Steven Spielberg doing it, and it's kind of like a hodgepodge, like it's almost like a mess, but it's in a good way because it's like they have such a troop of like kids who are crazy. And the kids are going to be so zany that a lot of it they have to play like in like wide shots yeah. because the kids are just so, you know, and it's almost like the example, everyone's talking at once, it, well, you know, the plots, it's like, you're like, it's plots moving. It's, it, you know, Donner's pushing it, you know, <laughs> but pushing, it's like, he's <laughs> gently nudging these group of kids towards, like, the, towards y- the end of the movie. Yeah. But it's, it, it's, it was evident to me in this movie that it was very much like, uh, you know, a lot going on a lot to, you know, it was, it's kind of like, it's all over the place, but. In a good way, and then it's kind of chained yeah. into a, into a funnel, and it and it, it gets very you know because some of the it, like I, I I remember like when we were watching it, I was looking over at you, and I stopped it. Like they show like Keenan Wynn, who's the photo of uh, of Chester Copperpot, uh, who's the son of uh, legendary Edwin. It's like I was like, why? I I, I lost like points of plot like. How do the kid? What are, what are the, what's the angle that the kids are going to take now that they think they can discover it as opposed to like Chester Copperpot not going out and you know, so there was like stupid and then like you know like it's a movie Dion. But I'm like <laughs> I know I know but like well, yeah, you know yeah. so it's like there was there was little things that like you know you try to figure out as you go but it's just you know it's gonna you know the one they're, they're all listening to Sean Astin like come on we're you know you're gonna we're gonna do this we gotta we gotta do it we gotta do it you know and, it's, and they're like okay and they they kind of like even uh, Brolin's like you know okay we'll go you know and yeah, it's, you know yeah. so it's like. It's fun, but it's like they don't make movies like this anymore. No, no. You know? This movie definitely has an energy to it that isn't even in a lot of the... um, Like Stranger Things or like the... Yeah, or even Monster Squad. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe it's because there's so many kids involved. Maybe You're right. There is like this like healthy, fun dose of like youthful chaos in this movie and it, i guess it works and, to and the, really yeah. like you have to give donner and maybe spielberg like a lot of credit for being able to harness it because it is like it's a lot of kids yelling over each over each other <laughs> yeah you know so it ends up having the like plot a, just goes but it ends up having a very natural yeah, it seems very... Like the, like, the kids seem very natural. And, and right off the bat, I got to say, every one of these kids in it are excellent. They and, are great. And you don't ever and question I, and any of their... I was going to say, there's something... For some people, for some actors, there's something about, like, the magic of youth. Like, yeah. You know, and uh, look, you're hard-pressed to find someone that loves, like... Whitewater Summer yep. and Rudy more yep. than I do. That's but Sean guy. but Sean Astin has never been as good in anything as he is in Lord this of the movie. Rings Poppycock. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, there's something about I would say, you know, people could argue because she's like a big deal now, but like in my opinion, like Natalie Portman's never been better as an actress in anything than the professional. Than she was in the professional. Yeah. There's something about like the, the or Corey it, like, Feldman like, in this movie. Like or, the innocence of of youth yeah. that just makes like their performances so pure yeah. that it just like it reads totally uh, 
real. And yeah. I think Sean Astin is so good in this. Same movie. thing with new Josh Brolin. I don't care. He's playing Cable next. I week. mean, though, I mean, you know, the, all the kids are good, but yeah. Sean Astin was the one that really stuck out to me this time. I mean, Chunk. I think Chunk is he, like, the kid. That kid gives like it's an unsung performance. Yeah, because he didn't really do a lot of acting afterward, and then he now is like a trial attorney or something, yes. like, like corporate law or something. But he's um, really, he's really I think good. In Jeff Cohen, and he's, um, I mean, he's amazing that he, it's he almost has that infallible comic timing you see with like child geniuses like the little rascals or like you know like uh what's his face uh jay north who is dennis the menace it's like he knows how to play scenes or when he's talking when he's interacting with the adults or you know he's like at 11 the whole entire time like he never actually talks yeah, he's like yelling, <laughs> and it works. <laughs> but you know, it does. Yeah, but it's some, for it's some, some reason, like it works. Sick, you don't get sick of him, you know. Yeah, it never becomes like annoying. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, which and, a, a lot of which some child performances yeah. can become. And we we've Blake and I have talked about where like you can have a movie that's great, but if you have the wrong child actor in it, you yeah. just ruin the movie, and that, that can be. Kind you know, of they off-putting. say like they say like ninety percent of any performance in a movie is casting but i think with kids it's like 99 (laughs) percent. like you have to cast the right kid yeah because for the most part you know i would i would imagine for the most part like kids don't have like a range yeah so you need to cast the 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 right kid they're going to be doing their they're going to be so when you got to cast what is it four or five like young kids under 11 maybe yeah in one movie you know it's the casting director for uh, whoever it was. Yeah, Tip my hat to that yeah. person. <laughs> and, and then, then it's one thing to have one kid in the cast or two kids in the cast playing like children or s- daughters or sons. And then you have an ensemble cast of kids. And then you're trying to, like we said, wrangle and manage. Like the, the Explorers is like only three kids or, you know, I, I think uh, Stand By Me is about four kids or whatever. But like to have this many kids. And it's so like Donna talks about how just it was fuck. It was they're all great kids, but together it's just overwhelming. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. they're all yelling, screaming. It's just like you know, you you, you can kind of get you go crazy. Everybody, and then you think about too. It's like I mean, let's see. Uh, I always gauge myself around the Twilight Zone tragedy. Like that's at eighty two. Prior to that, like child labor laws were kind of lax. So I'm, I'm I'm assuming this is eighty four, eighty five when they shot this. So I'm sure they're they've tightened down on like you know child labor laws on sets and stuff. So you got to deal with like the, all the kids' parents are there. You know they can only probably shoot a certain amount of time to the day. You can only have them certain points of the week. We had our friend you Mike Mar- stop for school. Yeah, we had our friend Mike Morona on a couple weeks ago in Kung Fu February when we did Enter the Dragon. And he's best known. As uh, Big Pete from Pete and Pete on Nickelodeon, and yeah. you know his, he was in a Chris Columbus movie. He, he was in Home Alone. He was in home, both Home Alones. Yeah, yeah. And his, his thing was, you know, he would, I think he would work two weeks on a set, then he and then he'd get uh, schooling on the set, and then he would go back to school, his regular school, for two weeks. So I, that's kind of hard on a kid to to yeah. kind of be able to do that, and then you know, that, let's not even talk about like what that does to like your mentality growing up, you know. So it's it's it. You think about. You're doing a movie that's like an adventure movie like this where you're going to have uh, big Steven Spielberg-esque sets and, and, and locations and all that. And then you're dealing with a, a troop of like, you know, eight, nine kids. And it's, you know, and then you're doing kind of stunts with them and stuff, too. And you're making sure. So it's just everybody's got to get in the bus. Does everyone <laughs> hold each other's hand? All right, let's go. You know, so it's just. Yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, I can, you know, it, it's just mind-blowing. It was a, I'm, I'm, it's a, this movie was a, a feat, I'm sure. Yeah. 
uh, and and very much I have a lot of respect for Donner for and Dick Spielberg Donna. and everybody who pulled it off. And this is Donner's coming off of he did Superman in like seventy seven. Uh, I forget what I'm sure he did a lot of great stuff in the early eighties, which I well, yeah. Well, he did. Uh, I mean, Donner came on the scene. F- uh, Donner, I feel like might have been a TV guy. He was. He had back in the day. He started out doing like. Kind of like where, um, what's his face? You know, uh, episodic television like combat, I feel like. You know, like John Frankenheimer. You know, they got yeah, their start yeah. doing TV movies or episodes, uh, TV shows. And then he became like a really big on the scene of feature films because of the success of The Omen. Even Spielberg started out that way. Spielberg directed yeah. a couple episodes of TV before he got into a TV movie duel, but, you know. And then Superman was a big, obviously a big, huge hit. Yeah. He, uh, in 82, he did The Toy. Oh, I love the toy. Um, That's something I'd love to do on Same year as this movie, he did Lady Hawk. Okay, yeah, Lady Michelle Pfeiffer. And then, of course, he went on to do uh, Lethal, Lethal Weapon movies at Scrooged and yeah. and all kinds of stuff. So he's got a, he's definitely has a place somewhere in the pantheon of sleepover directors. <laughs> yeah, he has, a, he has a mantle and a shelf that he's on here. And he, yeah, he did a slew of stuff back then. So um, he was, and, and then... With the success of Superman, and we talked a lot about Donner in our Lost Boys episode because he was going to originally direct the Lost Boys, and his vision for it was very much more in the vein of Goonies, and that the kids were younger, yeah, than they are in the movie. But then I guess he got caught up in Lethal Weapon. I can't remember. You have to go back and listen to our Lost Boys episode. But he got he ended up just producing Lost Boys, but he was going to direct it for a long time, Uh, and so he he was developing it, and then they ended up. Um, give you know, giving it to Joel Schumacher to to direct, but um, his original vision was to make it kind of like a horror version of the Goonies. Yeah, a little more serious, like a little. Uh, and that would have been great. I mean, that would have been really interesting to see that kind of interpretation. But maybe, you, maybe, yeah, maybe by the time they did it, he was like, I can't work with a group yeah, of kids I again. <laughs> Gotta make them a little older. <laughs> just after what I did with the Goonies, and he was working with the other kid on t- the toy, the redhead kid from Christmas Story. So I was like, just listen. Let's just. <laughs> why did I? Why yeah, did I, I just produce this? Kids. They say no kids, no animals. Yeah. So you said you know. So he did. He did a lot of uh, TV episodic work in the seventies. Got the Omen. That kind of got him out there. Did all the lethal weapons, which is amazing. So he was like a serious guy. And then Spielberg, uh, he had just what formed Amblin around this time, and he's getting ready to do ET. Well, yeah, he's I mean, doing Poltergeist with uh, Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper, yeah. Steven Spielberg got into like the executive producing. Um, racket, mm. <laughs> a genius, a feat you know, of genius po- by post him. ET, uh, and there's always this question as to, you know, how much power did he have on, on any given movie? There's a big. Well, I thought your question was going to be like, what's his fascination with children? Well, there's that <laughs> and lawyers. <laughs> there's there's that. There's this putting kids into like <laughs> terrible <laughs> situations, <laughs> and he's like, do it again. That he tended to do more in the movies that he produced than he did. In the movie yeah, he directed. He's not I mean you have Temple of Doom and E.T.'s kind of fucked up, but um it seems like he really was exploring like how fucked up can we make this? Yeah, how yeah, these, in these the real, movies that he produced. Like Kremlins Krem- and But this. there's this big question as to how much of um yeah, gre- I, uh, poltergeist did he did he was he in control of or how much did Toby Hooper actually direct? Uh I can say from for Pol- yeah, Poltergeist is notorious. For yeah, that. Poltergeist is notorious for that. I can say from interviewing people involved, um, uh, 
Alan Howarth, who did a lot, some of the sound design and invented some of the effects for pol- sound effects for Poltergeist. As far as he was, you know, in terms of his work on it, he always dealt with Spielberg in post production. So, but Toby Hooper, as far as I can tell, that was like a trademark of Toby Hooper in the time, and that he would kind of direct a movie and then not be that involved in post production. I've heard that, and would be in development for the next movie. Same thing happened with Invaders uh, f- from Mars. Christopher Young talked about because uh, he he did some music for it that he never dealt with Toby. He maybe had one conversation with Toby early on, but then he was always dealing with like the producers because Toby was then working on like Texas Chainsaw Massacre two or whatever the next yeah, yeah, movie yeah. was. Uh, so, but, but there was was there an, I feel like there was an issue with Poltergeist where I know he shot it all, but then. Like I, I yeah. hear it was like taken out of his hands. I don't know if that's there's the right a, word. But yeah, like, I mean, know, there's a lot of Spielberg talk about went into guys. either, and maybe when we do, when we eventually do Polger, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do a we'll deep really dive. We'll really try to get to the bottom of that story. But around that, you're right. Around that time, like but, is is also Twilight's in the movie, so you have these. Yeah, Spielberg yeah. is doing these things. You where don't hear too much about it regarding. I, at least I haven't heard too much about it regarding Gremlins with Joe Dante. Yeah, I do some of the actors like Sean Astin and. Uh, have kind of indicated that it was almost like this mo- Goonies was like co-directed. Yeah. Uh, but who knows what the truth is? I know that definitely some, when we get to, to the idea of like scenes that aren't in this movie that were shot. Oh, that's stuff, very, they're very Spielberg. There's, there's stuff that like even Donner says, like dur- he Spielberg shot second unit and shot all this crazy shit with gr- escaped gorillas. <laughs> yeah, it's so odd. <laughs> and that the, they can't find the footage, but Spielberg went and shot it all because he loved because he was way into it. And Donner was like, "You love the gorillas so much, Stephen. Why don't you go do it? Yeah, go shoot it all." Because that's another task too: is to, to the, p- being able to get along with these people. If Spielberg's, you know, got the production company, the money, he's the executive producing, has the story, he's co-writing it, and then you get the director. You got to, you know, Toby Hooper. Um, John Landis and all them, uh, Joe Dante for Twilight Zone, Joe Dante for Gremlins, this movie. Yeah. So you got to make sure they have a, a kind of a... Well, and Spielberg is a certain kind of person that he's in a league of his own in terms of power. Mm. You know, I was just, I went to the movies the other day with a friend of mine and I haven't seen Ready Player One yet, but we were talking, he's like, what do you think about it? And I was like, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I was like, the one thing, I didn't care about it at all. And then I saw one preview and there was like a quote from some critic. I don't even know who it was. And the, and the the quote was pure Spielberg magic. And I was like, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Like course. this might be the best movie ever made. Yeah, <laughs> you know, was because there's there's like there are there are a few kinds of movie magic that are better than Spielberg pure Spielberg yeah. movie magic. And if he's hitting it out of the park, it and could but be I was great. saying, you know, it takes a guy like Spielberg with to do Ready Player to be able to do. Uh, Ready Player One. Someone who's going to, which we talked about with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, nobody could have got Who Framed Roger Rabbit made in that way to be able to unite, like, Disney and Warner Brothers and, you know, take someone with the clout of Spielberg. And nobody's got that clout. And that's him working with Zemeckis. He has all these great pairings in the 80s and probably into the 90s of working with these other, you know, Robert Zemeckis is a huge heavyweight. Dick Donner's a huge heavyweight, you know, uh, Joe Dante, John Landis, you know. But when somebody has that much power, has that much clout, I would imagine if you're, if you're going to work with them, you know, I, I'd imagine like... You kind of know what you're getting into? You, I don't know, but I think at some point you realize that... He comes, he, come here, I'm the one. 
don't know if you know about this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I would imagine maybe some people are smart enough to know. There's a conversation maybe there. People don't realize that they're when they do a Spielberg production, it's a Spielberg production. Yeah, he's going to be there. Much in the way like Disney. Much in the way the old days. You yeah, know, yeah. With the studio system, like a David O. Selznick movie. Yeah, was a David O. Selznick movie. Demille, oh, he would direct. He, yeah, yeah. You know, like or he, Jack Selznick Warner. wasn't a director, but it was a Selznick picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, true. You know, and, and for the longest time. And it wasn't even till like somewhat recently that like the best picture Oscar went to the producers, not the director. Yeah. The director didn't get one. He got that's why he had his own category. Yeah, best director. The best yeah. picture went to the producers. Yeah, especially and, with a guy like Spielberg who's going to be on set with you and doing. You know, if he's in there from conception, he's not just throwing money on the table. He's also going to be like, and we've seen this with Poltergeist, with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where he's actually there, like you know. He's playing around in the background like a little kid. He's like a little, like, you know, he's like a little toy. He's like running up the walls, you know, he's like playing yeah. with this stuff. So, you know, so it's got to be, a th- I would imagine it's got to be. The a, Raiders of the Lost Ark again. It's got to be an odd. Yeah. Uh, well, the Raiders of the Lost Ark is an interesting. That episode we talked about how much, obviously how much input Lucas had. Yeah. On Spielberg. And, and kind of editing and, Spielberg. Yeah. And especially in the development of it. Yeah. Uh, but I would imagine it's kind of be. It might be a little jarring for some directors to take on a Spielberg production, because you have, you might it might you might feel like there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, you might not. Maybe you know. It seems like maybe Donner kind of knew what he was getting into. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm he, not sure. I you know who knows from the stories. It doesn't seem Hooper knew what he was getting into. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, um, well, what's the other girl's name who runs Disney now? Kennedy. Patricia Kennedy, I think, yeah. she, was she maybe the casting director for this? I, th- I don't know, but it's like all these huge heavyweights are coming together and making this this insane kind of a movie, and it's all these just these plots where it's you know Spielberg's like, well, you know, like like Gremlins or like well, you, know, you know, it's like he just comes up with these. I, Red, Ready Player One was a book first, and I'm actually people years ago told me to read the Ready Player One and I haven't got to it yet because we've been you know we've had to, we do this podcast <laughs> and all this other stuff <laughs> how, many, how many things can we do here so I'm, I'm interested to see how you to read the source material and how do you write oh in the background a DeLorean went by and then Robocop walked by like, how do you write that as opposed to just it's a lot easier to show it in a yeah. to have 40 different 80s references in a, sh- in a frame of film so but he definitely is the person to to, to helm a project Well, yeah. Like I mean, I don't think so many licensed properties would yeah. give consent to anybody. Yeah. Except it, for Steven Spielberg. Yeah, Spielberg. Exactly. You know, and that's how you got, like you said, Hope from Roger Rabbit. That's how you got Disney and, and Warner to come together and I wonder license how, Looney Tunes and Disney I characters. wonder how many of these movies uh, during this time period of the mid-80s that he was producing. Like, I get the sense that he, that at some point he was going to direct the Goonies. Yeah. And then, and then, maybe it's right around the time decided of his, not to, or decided that he would rather pursue like Temple of Doom or another, or, well, you know, or some other movie. His marriage was falling apart. Remember his to his first wife. You have the the, the Vic Morrow getting killed on the Twilight Zone set. Then he goes off to do Temple of Doom in Asia. Yeah, and then that he credits Temple of Doom being so dark because he was going through, I guess, his wife getting... He says he always blames it on the divorce, but I'm sure also it had to do with there was this huge court case of three people getting killed on a set of a movie yeah. he was well, in. Well, he very quickly tried to distance himself yeah. from that. And he like, won't he even talk about he it. He wasn't even going to do... That wasn't the story he was going to No, he do. was doing ma- monsters on Maple Street, but then, then it was he like, did kick know, the can. Let's just do kick the can. Yeah, let's get Scatman. 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 Yeah, let's
and then he that's and then Temple of Doom's so dark, but he's doing Temple of Doom and he meets what's her face on it, Cape Capshaw, and he yeah. marries her. What's so, this for Amy? Who was his first wife? Oh, I forget her name. She um, was an actress. She was from Carrie. Yeah. She was just in Unsane, which is what I went to the movies to see. Oh, okay. Um, when I was talking to my friend about Ready Player One. Yeah. But uh, So, yeah, I mean, and then you think about his 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 output in the 80s, Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, and not just directing, but either what he was producing and what he was, you know, because it seems like he doesn't, I mean, I gotta go look at his catalog, but I mean, it doesn't seem like he doesn't. He doesn't just blindly produce something. He's he's he wants a equal part into creatively get involved and, and you Didn't know. Did he do Back to the Future too? Yeah, he. That's he, this. That's what he. That's eighty five as well. Yeah. So that's another. That's where he's hanging out with Zemeckis. You know, and, he, and, and him and Zemeckis hanging. Yeah, and then that's when they do the next project. Might be uh, eighty eight is um, Two Fair Roger Rabbit. With him and Zemeckis, and was then it eighty-eight though, Dion? It's—I used to think it was eighty-seven, but <laughs> see, I got that right. Or is it eighty-nine? No, now you got me confused. It's eighty-eight because last year I thought it was eighty-seven the entire time. Yeah. So, but it's so he's so I would love to see if we were to look up how much he's like the, the you know the the paychecks he's he's putting in the bank Spielberg, you know at that time because you know E.T.'s the biggest thing in the world when that comes out in eighty-two maybe. 82, yeah. That's you know? The, like, that's, 82 is often considered, like, the best movie year ever. Ever. And uh, so, I mean, he he's since, I think, Jaws, right, or Close Encounters, or even, Jesus, Raiders, he, he can do, he's got, like, carte blanche in, in Hollywood to do whatever he wants, you know? Because, like you said, a lot of these things wouldn't get made if Spielberg didn't have his name attached to him. Yeah. You know, or, or you get the right people together, you know? So, so to find all these child actors to, who basically were kind of... I mean, what did Sean Astin, his parents, Patty Duke, and John Astin, well, his stepdad's John Astin. So that's kind of like a movie or Hollywood family. But, like, Corey Feldman had just, he shows up, what, in, like, Time After Time. He's got a very quick cameo. He's in Friday the 13th. Well, apparently Corey Feldman was cast in E.T. Yeah, as, what's his face, his friend. As, like, Elliot's best friend. So he meets Spielberg. And that's how he meets Spielberg. And then the script, goes, the script goes through a rewrite, yeah. and his character's cut out. So Spielberg feels bad yeah. and says, don't worry, I'll put you in, the, in my next movie. And then Gremlins came along, and so he was producing Gremlins, so he has that part in Gremlins. Yeah. And then uh, he says, and I'm doing Goonies, and then I want you to be in Goonies. And this is right around the time where he does Friday the 13th Part 4. The final chapter, because I think he says no to something. Remember the prep we did for part six, Jason Lives? Yeah. He says no to something, or that's the reason why he doesn't, he's not in all of part five, because he cameos uh, in part five at the very beginning, Corey Feldman. But for some sort of, maybe he's doing Goonies at the time or something. He, you know, he can't do the whole thing. Yeah. It was, so he blames that Spielberg wouldn't let him do five, because yeah. originally it was just going to be a continuation. Yeah. Uh, but, he wasn't allowed because of, I think maybe because of Goonies. Yeah, so he cameos at the beginning, and then that's it. He's in the opening shot, and so you've got him doing that. And then after doing Gremlins, he 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 says he thinks that's the last time he's going to talk to Spielberg, whatever. And then Spielberg gives him another call, says, "Hey, I'm doing this project." Yeah, and he's under the impression that Spielberg's going to direct Goonies, and then he finds out that Donner's going to direct Goonies. Yeah, because Spielberg pitches like, "Hey, it's about kids on an adventure. They're going to be treasures. They're going to be pirates." and Corey Feldman's like, sure, and then Richard Donner gets a born. He's got to go read. Because then, you know, he works with Donner, and then he ends up doing Lost Boys, yep. which Donner produced, 
He does Gremlins with Joe Dante, yeah. and then he ends up being in The Burbs, which Joe Dante directed. Uh, you know, later in the eighties, and, and then so he's licensed to drive around that time. He says that the first time he actually met Haim, Corey Haim, yeah, was in auditions at Amblin for this for Goonies. Yeah, yeah. Corey Haim was up for the same part for Mouth, and then and he, they, they meet him in the. That's yeah. when they first met. They met in like the waiting room at the audition, unofficially, and then, of course, the story of the two Corys. Yeah, which is a story in itself. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Data. Who's in Temple of Doom? Who's in Temple of Doom? I can't. I mean, there's so this movie's so chaotic that they're all yelling over each other that I can't understand what most of them are saying, let alone Data. Yeah, <laughs> and he seems time. like the most serious of them all. Like he's actually like he's like a little like uh, fireball. He's like a young Jackie Chan. He's doing all these physicality and stuff like that. He's very Jonathan you know, Ki Hu Huan. Yeah, and and his uh, I I don't know the story of how he got cast for Temple of Doom, but I'm sure he got a if it's a Sp- Steven Spielberg helmed production, there's probably like huge auditions, and he was, you know, he was picked out of like a thousand or a million kids. Every Asian kid, yeah, any Asian kid who can act. Like, the, remember the the little kid that was in Webster or that had the karate show? Oh, he yeah. came, you know, like he was big in the 80s. like all these kids came, you know, to try to figure it out. That there's there's a I've seen somewhere on YouTube that kid, and it might be his show where. Uh, he the, he's walking home and like his friends getting bullied and he has to go karate chop everybody and one of the bullies is um what's his face uh the, 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 the who's the guy the, the, the black guy from uh, Ocean's Eleven who puts on the fake British accent who plays uh he plays Sammy Davis Jr. in the oh, uh, Don rap. Cheadle yeah he, Don Cheadle's like the bully he's got to beat the crap out of you know in that scene like that that kid was great for like a like a, a year or two I wonder how many people would know <laughs> who would, I would be like what, he plays Sammy Davis Jr. in the Rat Pack <laughs> yeah, he's all that guy Don Cheadle you know, not that he plays uh, he plays Tony Stark's friend in the X Men movies. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the guy that he, the guy that was in, that, that played John Cheadle. You know, he's the, the HBO movie. You know the, the guy. You know things to do in Denver when you're dead. He plays the guy's friend in that. You know, you know who that guy is? Don Cheadle. Yeah. yeah. Um, why are we talk? Oh, so yeah. So Data, you got him. He's in it. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I don't know. I don't know what Sean. Sean Astin prior to this, but he is great in this movie, and he really is the rock of kids. Like, I think if you cast the wrong kid in that role, that could have... Yeah, he's good Because he needs to be serious. He doesn't need to be the Corey... Because each kid is fleshed out. You have the jokester, like the... the who's, yeah, you, you have know, to hit, like, the archetype. Yeah, so you have, like, the archetype, you know, he's, he's semi-good-looking mouth, he's a jokester, he's the class clown, the prankster. You have the kid that is the embellisher, the... the, the uh, he tells stories, he... he they probably make fun of him. He's the heavy kid chunk. You have Sean Astin, who's like the regular kid, who's probably, I guess, who the audience is supposed to be identifying with to be the, the you know, the, we're, we're going to be taking the adventure through his eyes. Yeah. You have his him have the older brother, who's Brolin. Yeah. You got Data, who's like... The, the whiz kid, who's the smart... He's, he's, yeah. he's like Mensa already, you know, like <laughs> that. Uh, Brolin's parents being, what's his face? Uh, 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 James Brolin, who I love. Um so he's from a Hollywood family. I forget who his mother is. And who else is in the the cast? The the, the redhead girl you said from um Carrie Green. Yeah. She's in uh Summer Rental. Yeah. She's in Lucas. Yes. And then she's in that other movie that I can never and that's remember. That's Haim, right? Corey Haim Haim and uh Haim, maybe yeah. uh Charlie Sheen. Yeah, and also uh Dave Grusin, who did the music for this, also did the music for uh Lucas. Dave Grusin, uh, the great score. I mean, there's something there's also something going on in the in the Spielberg movies 
in that like they all have like this John Williamsy yeah, but see, type movie, but they're not John Williams because Dave Grusin he he started an episodic television. He did episodes of like Wild Wild West and Gidget, yeah, The Virginian, Beretta, but he also did uh, Murder by Death, yes, which we just brought up. We just talked about uh, the Champ, yeah, <laughs> with little Ricky uh, Schroeder, the remake of the movie with Jackie Cooper, uh, and Justice for All. Uh, that's great Al Pacino, Jack and, Warden movie. And then coming into the 80s, we have some classics. My Bodyguard, yep. which is a great movie with uh, Adam Baldwin. Tootsie, which was one of my you favorites. You love Tootsie. Lucas, which is a fantastic yep. score. And then going into the 90s, he does Mulholland Drive. I mean, Mulholland Falls. Oh, I love Mulholland Falls. <laughs> with Nick Nolte. Th- there's uh, a whole bunch of people that. Chris <laughs> Penn, Mike Madsen. That's, that's uh, like, uh, Andrew McCarthy. Uh, ja- Jennifer Connelly. John Lithgow. Uh, uh, Ch- is Chaz Palminteri maybe in that too? Chaz Palminteri. He's <laughs> part of that group. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting when we get around at some point. What year we'll get around to, to doing that. They'll be like, you know what? We should do Mulholland Falls. Falls. Yeah, 1995. or <laughs> is, is this the same John uh, Gerson? Who plays the mandolin? Dave Grusin. I don't know. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, Dave. I'm thinking maybe John. Now, John Grissom is the author. Dave <laughs> Grusom. There's a guy. There's, I'm thinking there's a mandolin player who did like a lot of stuff with Jerry Garcia. I don't know if that's the oh, same. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think Okay. Uh, but we're talking the score now. They, they liberally. But I'm just there's another Lucas connection, too. Yeah. There's, they liberally use this guy, Max Steiner, who I love, who's a composer from the. Golden Age of Hollywood, who did yeah. such stuff. He did he did the original King Kong. He did a lot of like uh, he did uh, uh, Gone with the Wind. He did freaking you know uh, Key Largo. He did a lot of Cagney each day. I each dawn I yeah, die. He's one of the greats. Yeah, uh, he did. Uh, I love the score for White Heat. He did that as well. But he does one called with uh, Don Juan, which is an Earl Flynn movie, and evidently the elements of that Earl Flynn movie is what they use here. And I don't know. I wasn't able to figure out what parts are from that movie that they use here. Yeah. But I, I'm, that, that's my point is I'm wondering what parts of the score did they, and I wonder why. Was this, I wonder if this is that John Williams-esque kind of a feel we have. Is, is that what they're taking here? Or, like at the beginning of the movie when you have that whole like opening sequence with the fire and them driving the shootout, that is very much, I think, the Goonies theme. Like that's the theme of the movie. And then so I wonder like what parts are the Matt, Max Steiner or they may be the stuff when they find the treasure or when they're getting yeah, on. You know I don't I mean? know. It's 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 tough because, you know, like John Williams by 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 snotty film music people always gets Oh yeah. They can cite where he, he yeah, used a lot of like they classical always, they always say that he plagiarizes this and that older and movies and and, and you know. older classical pieces and stuff. So I don't unfortunately I don't know enough about that score that you're talking about to to be able to say like, yeah. that they're just doing that score or if it's like a John Williams type re homage. <laughs> yeah. Well, they <laughs> specifically lifting. take from, from Don Juan. So that's why I don't know like the ship. Another Earl Flynn connection is there's a great pirate movie called the Seahawk and they, they designed the pirate ship in the Goonies to be almost the replica of the ship used in the Seahawk. So um, is it what's trunk, what does uh, sloths watching? That might be the Seahawk that they're watching. Um, so I don't know. You know, there's a there's a there's a couple pirate movies, and we have the Earl Flynn connection because when we did Rocketeer, um, Nellis, Neville Sinclair is supposed to be the Earl Flynn character in that movie, yeah. and he's even doing a movie. Uh, I think he might be playing Robin Hood or something in, when they're shooting that stuff in, Ro- in Rocketeer. So uh, we brought Earl Flynn up before in the past, and uh, I also noticed that there were pieces of music from this movie that very much reminded me of the music from Rocketeer. 
Oh yeah, yeah, dun, 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 yeah, yeah, dun, 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 dun. but yeah. So there's a lot. Of <laughs> You know, you know, the time, yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of, you know, you have this other thing you bring into into the to here is is and prior to this, you take the fog out of the out of the connection with John Carpenter's The Fog, the, the pirates, you know, and, yeah. and we just did, which is interesting because they ended up reshooting the end and doing it at uh, what is it called Bodega Bay, yeah, or whatever, which and, is where the fog was shot with the birds and and we it was did, also shot there. We did um, we did Garfield's Halloween special this past October, and that's very piratey themed. And uh, I think that might be 85 or 86 as well. So, but like in the mid 80s, for me as well, I was a second grade. I was a pirate for Halloween where I had the big plastic hat, you know, and you get the, you get the freaking thing you hold onto that's the hook, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you go, oh, well, I don't you know, get a fucking plastic like cutlass or, or a rapier, you know, and you're like, give me some candy, shiver me biscuits. So I wonder if like that was a big thing in the 80s, aside from being an easy Halloween costume that a parent can do, that, you know, Goonies, you know, uh, certainly back in the day of like around the time right before Cowboys or when Cowboys are in vogue in the 40s and stuff, you have those big swashbuckling adventures, the Seahawk, Captain Kidd. You have all these great pirate movies with Earl Flynn and all them. So I wonder if there is an element of like this, again, like we say, they're, they're bringing them back what they remember and the revitalization. And, yeah. And what movie did we just do where Sp- Steven Spielberg just said like, oh, we didn't, uh, growing up, was it Raiders of the Lost Ark? They said, you know, growing up we had it and we didn't, you know, and we thought it was great. So now we're doing it for new audiences in the in the seventies, and it, or was it like maybe a serial? Yeah, I forget what 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 you know. We do so much, and I have such a terrible memory. But <laughs> it's another it's another idea of these themes being brought up again. That that you know that pirate in those kind of movies were like huge back in the day, and this is you're bringing it back. And what's there's so much romanticism in the idea of trying to find a buried treasure. But well, it's, I feel you like know, pirates never really went out of fashion. No, I mean it's for kids. I think there's a definitely the way cowboys and oh, you're right, yeah. But uh, you know because there's also I feel like every generation of kid has like some reference and version of Peter Pan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, Captain Hook and stuff. Yeah. And so uh, you know there was even that. I mean, it was obviously after this, but in the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s, remember there was a Peter Pan cartoon show that had nothing to do with the Disney movie. No. And it was like, oh, so good. <laughs> it was like kids and... Uh, What's, what was their angle on it? Was it, it was like, just like the adventures and... But it was like Pan, like... Never oh, ran. but it wasn't like Hook where they're growing up or, what you know, like some no, sort of odd... No, it was Hook. It was just like... It was just a show that was about the about Peter Pan and the Lost Boys fight... And the fucking Lost Boys. And the fucking Lost Boys. <laughs> That's <laughs> our Reservoir and, Dogs. And, uh... But, uh... Which was where much of my, my fascination with flight came from all those cartoon shows. Like, being able to fly. I mean, Superman could fly, obviously, but then you had, you know, like, gummy bears. Yeah. They invented some kind of, like, gummy berry juice, you know, like, rocket pack. Yeah. And then you had, like, Tailspin, where the kid would, you know, basically, like, sky surf outside the plane. Yeah, with balloon. Um, What's the one with with the guy who... I don't know anybody's names. Uh, who married uh, Rebecca Romaine? Who's her husband? John Stamos. No, th- that's that's the old. Oh husband. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry uh, McConnell. So, or Jerry O'Connell. And then he had a show. He in had a show. My secret identity. Is it? Remember? Think, he, and he yeah. could fly. And he could float. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then had the scientist who he drank a serum, <laughs> and he's like. And he had like I think he had kind of like a like a like a glow around him, and he'd be like you know yeah yeah secret yeah. rangers da, 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 all about that da, da, da. that's the mask uh, but, theme sorry <laughs> but, but my point is that uh, I think 
Pirates. Pirates. It, got you, it got you into pirates. I think pirates were always panned. <laughs> but they're always they're hit or miss <laughs> because you get in the nineties cutthroat island with um what's her face? Gina Davis. Yeah, that bombs and I feel like that's Timothy Dalton too. You have another. Well, I know. I don't. I, hook. Have, I don't know if I've ever seen that movie. I've never either, but it looked awesome. I, know, I remember. Oh, is it Carrie Elway's in that maybe? No, it's uh, like Matthew Modine. Oh, okay. Or somebody like I that. I mean, like I remember seeing the previews and thinking it looked great, but then it flopped. And yeah, then that was a uh, Reddy Harlan movie. Yeah, and that's right around. The hook comes out, and I feel like they do another version of Peter Pan with maybe of Timothy. Dal- I feel like there's a Timothy Dalton. Peter Something Pan. about Timothy. God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> He's got that mustache. He's got the Louis Sinclair mustache, and he does something. Neville and, Sinclair. Neville Sinclair, and uh, so like, and then of course he hit 2003. Disney does Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. which is now, you know, I mean, I mean, he had Hook. Yeah. That was Spielberg after this. But that just felt like... I feel like every kid has... Yeah, Pan was huge. Kid, I mean... I, all kids go through a dinosaur phase. Yeah. And I feel like... There's a Peter Pan phase. Most kids... There's a very go famous... Go through like a, a piratey Peter Pan Have you Have you seen the... Um, there's a very famous version of Peter Pan that was done in the 50s or 60s that they that was done for TV that they shot. It was like the theatrical thing. Yeah, and it's the girl... Yeah, and she plays Pan. They used to play that all the time. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I had that thing on tape. So me and my sister were watching that into into Delirium, that version. And then like that was there was a. I mean, Vincent Price played Captain Hook at some point in this, you know, in a traveling show. Yeah. Uh, So it seems like everybody gets the stab at playing Captain Hook, or you know, then there's that Peter Pan version. So then I think even at some point, I mean, I know Sandy Duncan was always known for playing it, but I feel like there was like another they redid like the televised. Not the one a couple years ago, Christopher Walken, but they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But with Sandy Duncan. Yeah. Because she was always known for playing the role of Pan. Yeah. So that was so- When we were kids. Pirates are always big, and then in the 80s, it seems like, you know, you either get pirates with- Pirates. Pirates. (laughs) Missing treasure. Either them, like, oh, you know, and that's something for kids. You're going to go find a buried treasure. This isn't very exactly buried, but like, you know, find it. Scavenger hunt, you know. Here's the beauty of this. A cloak and dagger, you know, it's like that kind of stuff. Yeah, cloak and dagger. Totally. <laughs> we're, just, we're just throwing all these. <laughs> but the, here's the beauty of Goonies. I Give mean, it to me. Is that it's simple. You know, it's like kids find a f- treasure map. S- sold. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's all you got to do. It's going into production. <laughs> you walk into that, st- that smoky yeah, bar <laughs> at, at the studio. All right, guys. Here's, here's the right, pitch. Right, come close. Come Kid. close. Kids, they're in their attic. Yeah. You with me? I like it. I like it. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah. ash, ash, in the, ash in the cigarette on the Keep floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're lighting another one, and they still got one in their mouth. Okay, we're with they're you. in their attic. Walking around their attic, there's a lightning storm outside. And Blake's doing that thing with his <laughs> with his with his hand to look at it. Looks like a shot. Picture this. Yeah, they find a treasure map, and they go on an adventure to find a treasure. It's fucking. It writes itself. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. It is. It's like. Then there's the big <laughs> go <laughs> stamp of approval. <laughs> it is. It's like a perfect. I mean, I don't know. That's what, why I got confused when we were watching it because you think whoever it's his, it's his father who either took the stuff in the museum, uh, the Sean Astin's father, or or he framed the stuff himself. There's this pirate map. Uh, they break the they break the pirate map. What's well, it? And then in back, I guess that's the thing. It's like people didn't realize that the medallion is in the 
So, and then why didn't Chester Copperpot, who had half of this stuff, you know, maybe he didn't have the map to go after, and that's why he went off on his own, found the stuff, and then died? Or yeah, I don't know. You know, I think you. So there's, yeah, there's you're looking there, too look, far. There, in this. It's a hole. There's a, you're right. I mean, there are some holes in this plot. I'm not knocking it. I'm just no, trying to no, dig it. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. You know, I think. I mean, I think when you're, it's a tough call with this movie because you don't really, I don't really know like who they're gearing this movie to. Well, this is another thing we, well, another thing we used to talk a, a little more heavily when we first started this podcast was the days of back five hours ago yeah. no, no 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 i'm sorry <laughs> not this episode but like the when we start started the show <laughs> we talk about that we there was a, a level of 80s movies where like the pg where you could have like kids are obsessed with playboys kids are obsessed with swears they're obsessed with uh dick and penis jokes and in this movie here you have like cory films looking at like playboys at least in the deleted scenes at the at the at the yeah. grocery store, or the or the bodega. But they say shit. More they say shit. That's what I'm saying. They say shit than, all the time. More than at most R. Uh, you got the the the, the uh, tra- trainer. What's her face's statue that breaks, and they're they're trying to f- glue the penis and balls back on, yeah, and they, yeah. they can't do the genitals right. You know, so it's like there's so many like references to like eight, you know. It seems like you couldn't get away with that stuff nowadays. Making jokes about like a you know the the, the statue's junk gets well, broken off or the first or scene the shit. we see someone that uh, you know we don't know yet has faked it but we see like fucking suicide yeah and Dobby's hung himself <laughs> yeah and he's like oh well you know these are the breaks and they kill some agent is in the so look it's a it's an eighties movie it's an eighties kids movie <laughs> yeah but also I don't know like. I, you know, was it really geared towards kids at the time? I mean, I guess on some I level wonder, it must have been. I mean, th- we're getting into the Spielberg realm here with with Don, uh, with Donner. I'm sure they said, hey, look, there's going to be kids in it. It's going to be a pirate adventure going after treasure. Kids are going to gravitate towards this. We have them already in the seats. To get make the movie entertaining for the parents that are taking them to this and yeah, have them have having a drop of fucking yeah, the let's have, we'll, have, we'll, have, we'll have some breasts <laughs> in it we can't how are we gonna put some breasts in okay we won't we can't figure uh, breasts out the breast but we're we'll gonna have, have a girl in a short in yeah a real short <laughs> you can, and, and if you look close you can when she's going upstairs you, you can, can see, see her. up her skirt <laughs> but aside from that they're like uh <laughs> We're gonna have them say it's a good shit idea, man. Yeah. She's only like fourteen. It's all right, though. It's all right. It's before <laughs> I gotta eat it up. Yeah, it's before any controversy. <laughs> we can still get away with this. But they say shit all the time. Uh, even what's his face is spelling out shit S H I T data because his mom doesn't want him to say stuff. So that was the joke. Yeah. They? So they're saying shit left and right, which back in the day I guess that wasn't that bad. And then and then there's dick jokes and stuff. There's this bullying going on. Uh, I mean, I guess people know the 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 plot is. You have the Fratelli brothers. Fratelli means brothers in Italian. It's a, yeah. It's an interesting... Uh, <laughs> they're like a play on Ma Barker where they break out of prison. They're going away. And, I, and I've and i always had the understanding, and maybe it's because I haven't seen this movie in 30 years, is that I thought they were looking for the treasure too. But you find out, no, they have a printing press. And I always remember they have a... Yeah. So they're counterfeiting they're down counterfeiting, there. counterfeiting, yeah. So for whatever reason, one like of them $50 got... $50 bill. $50 bill. So one of them got caught. They break him out of jail. They're hiding out. That's that. That's like the B plot. A plot is uh, that's. I guess you need to have like a the kids to There's have some, opposition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, aside from just them, antagonists of some sort. Aside from just the the the. It's uh, an odd adventures. There's there's parts of this movie that watching at this time, it's like I understand. Like okay, they need antagonists. Yeah. there needs to be some kind of 
force that's try that's pre preventing them or creating danger. Even though you don't really need that, I mean, like Explorers doesn't have that. <laughs> no, but then it has that whole wacky sequence at the end when they get on the space. You know, it goes it goes a little crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like it almost it, it, it kind of uh, jumps the shark. Uh, at that so point. it needs something. It needs some kind of villain. Yeah, I get it's a we. I find it's a very odd choice. Yeah, to have it be like this family of counterfeiters and murderers. Um, but I find it's and then like the addition of sloth is also a very see, that's, interesting weird. I'm on board for the for the for the for the family. I think they're hilarious and and I guess uh, there was so much uh, ad lib. Hence we're talking about with the scenes with the troop of kids doing stuff. But there was so much ad-libbing between Joe Pantoliano and Robert Davi where they had worked the year before together on Heart Heart to Heart, which is that, um, what's the guy's name? Who's, was it? Uh, yeah, who's in seconds. He was he was gay and he died of AIDS. Heart to Heart wasn't Rock Hudson. You sure? Pretty with the, sure. With the beard? I don't think so. Am I, then what's the, what the, is that, that like Robert Urich or something? Was Heart to Heart? Or Robert Wagner? No. Maybe Wagner. There's God a show. That, I thought there was a show where there's the, where the, the interns on where there's a uh, <laughs> where he's like the mayor of some um, some. Well, anyway, they they do an episode of Heart to Heart together, and they get uh, oh Robert Wagner, and the was the redhead broad right? Yeah. So then who who, uh, who From, did I just uh, say? Like who, Rock who's Hudson. In, is she the woman who's in Diamonds Are Forever? Uh, Stephanie Powers. Uh, you we just said Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson. So, what show was he? What movie was he? Show he was in. He was in a show. The, and the, I thought it was hard. I thought it was a name like Heart to Heart. Well, he's in Dynasty, but I thought he was in something a little more. Macmillan and Wife. I'm ah, close enough. Yeah, Heart Mc, to Heart. Yeah, Macmillan and, and wife. wife. Sorry, thank you, Cheeto. Remington Steel. Whatever. Yeah, they're all the same. <laughs> um, the canon. So. They know each other from the year before. They get to the audition, and it's because of their uh, improvisation between each other. They get the role. But then they, they improv half this stuff, or which there's all this business of them like, you know, you're better than me, or them, the, the rivalry. And I think it adds so much depth to the characters yeah. there. And then Robert Davi singing. Like, that's for me when I was little, I, these are all the things I remembered. Like the uh, how scary they kind of were when they're not really scary when you look at it now. I remember, th very I remember intimidating. The Fratellis being in, like really scary. You know, like like the, the the stuff with Davi singing, like he's singing like M Butterfly to like Sloth, and it's 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 and it's kind of freaky. Or the scene when they when they walk into the restaurant and then he starts talking to Italian to the mother to to to, to what's her face about the kids and they don't know nothing. So let's give them some dirty water. So I'm on board for all that. I think, uh, you know, him hamming it up, Davi singing, it's brilliant. You know, it really works because he's a trained opera singer. Who knew? He, he does He does around, he does Sinatra stuff now. He's quite good singing the Sinatra catalog. But then you, right, they take this weird left turn and they put yeah. Sloth in. Somebody. At somebody, some point, somebody pitched. Hey, you know, we love the old Universal movies. <laughs> you? you know, like, okay, we got the family, we got the mom, we got the two brothers. Let's have you know, Frankenstein in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> what? We'll have a, creature. Have a crazy mongoloid, pinhead, yeah. giant creature in the basement. Yeah, he's handcuffed. It'll be really sweet. Kids are going to love it. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be frightening, but in a good way. Because at the end of the movie, they, it, I guess that's kind of the... I love that Chunk doesn't even like ask his parents. Like, you're going to come live with me now, Chunk. His mom's like, wait, what? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this guy's got... Reaction to... shot. I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah. And evidently in the novelization, that's what happens. In the novelization, the, the, he, he goes and there's some elements of the novelization that are in here 
they talk about some stuff but they solidify that in the novelization he goes that the parents adopt him and he goes and that's kind of hard because you think of he's on the severe autism spectrum he's definitely he's definitely on the spectrum so, so you, you got you know the parents trying to deal and then that's back in the day when they were called people were called handicapped it wasn't even autism so that so it's like they were called worse than that yeah so it's like getting him home and it's like okay what do you want to do you're all right oh you don't like bright lights okay you want to go up to your room you know it's like it's like having Harry in the Henderson. Yeah, like having, living, probably like breaking chairs. Yeah, living. Yeah, having tantrums and you're like you got to realize bright lights, hot water hurt baby. You know, it's like so. I don't know whose idea, but it's the basic idea of Frankenstein, where it's like Frankenstein with a little girl and he you know yeah, picks yeah. a little girl up. So it's like so at the end of the day, this very scary monster is going to be in their corner because he's basically like a kid. Of, yeah, I would love to know. Like, okay, what's, what's, I bet you that's Spielberg in the script meeting. Yeah, you know? <laughs> He's like, we're going to have gorillas. We're gonna gonna have have I think here's what's going to be great. We're going to have gorillas driving around in a convertible. Yeah. We're going to have a giant octopus. Well, okay, we haven't even got to this <laughs> stuff yet. So, And we're going to have this crazy Frankenstein monster type thing in the basement. Yeah, so Sloth gets it. He, he, he stays in the movie. The gorillas, I didn't know they shot, but there's this weird subplot where... It's when they're underneath and they're banging the pipes. Oh. And somehow, when in banging the pipes, they're like underneath of the zoo or something. Yeah, because yeah, they're all over the, the, the. I love how they're all over the town. <laughs> they're at the country club, they're out there at the. You know, but they also, accidentally end up opening, it, opening like the cage of apes. That makes more sense. These two apes. See, I thought the reference and, was, and apparently, supposedly, they used. Although there aren't really. They say gorillas, but I don't know if it's. It sounds to me they're more apes because. Apparently, they were going to use Rick Baker's costumes from Greystoke. Okay. Which we did on this show. We did. And we talked about how great Rick Baker's ape costumes yeah. and that are. They were going to use two actors in the in the ape costumes. Yeah. And they were going to, like, steal a convertible well, and they, drive around well, town. They, no, they, they pull up in a golf... They steal a golf cart to get, maybe get off the, the zoo property. Then they show up to a, a, a gas station, I think, where that kid's convertible, the Mustang or whatever yeah. he's driving, the GT... And they steal, yeah, and then they steal that car. And apparently there was a lot of business with, like, the dad of, uh, you know, the guy who wants to buy the house. Oh, okay. Like, the the father of of Troy. Troy. Yeah. Which, by the way, it's been a long time. People have requested it. Uh, You know, my contract with the Stephen J. Canal people ended, but I will throw out a 21 Jump Street reference. No, is he... he, he Is he... uh, he, He's a 21 Jump Street alumni. I'm not contractually obligated to mention it, but... Steve Anton, who plays Troy, oh the okay, is in an episode of Twenty One Jump Street, which Mike Vanderbilt and I yes covered oh. on our few episodes of Twenty One Pod Street. I believe it's America, what a town! Yeah, uh, and so he's, he's featured in that episode. That's a, that's to. so that's a deep dive connection right there. <laughs> but apparently, so the gorillas. There was all this. There was this big elaborate like See, I sea thought- story of escaped apes and in and in uh, Astoria. And I thought that there was going to be a um, a connection because she says, I don't want to go back to the zoo and get more chains because then he breaks. Yeah. So I thought that's a reference to like they went there, maybe they broke these. They, but apparently know. Astoria has a very prominent zoo. Yeah. So And this is <laughs> in real life. I don't know. Oh, I'm okay. Just Astoria, this apparently is, in the context of this movie. This is Astoria, Oregon. Another thing that hit me as a child growing up watching this movie is I grew up in uh, coastal Connecticut 
So a lot of the coastline here looks, even though it's on the west coast, it looks to me where I grew up where like uh, there's East Haven where the beaches and Morris Cove areas of uh, Connecticut that look right out of. So to me, this looked like it always helped me growing up like E.T. was a little foreign to me because that the, the, that suburbia, the poltergeist suburbia, well, it looked like it was out west, you know, to me where yeah. this kind of like. You know what it looks a lot like to me is. What, the Goonies? The Goonies, like the area that yeah. they live in. Uh, especially like where their house is. Yeah. You know, not so much like when they're driving around and riding their bikes in the woods and stuff. Yeah. But uh, it looks very much like the beginning of Labyrinth. Yeah. Which we yeah, covered on the show. Mind. Yeah. And also, uh, it looks a lot like. Um, What's the Hocus Pocus? Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is Massachusetts. Lot. Yeah. So yeah. It's very New England yeah. to me. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it's, it's a way like, That's I all mean, the Northeast, yeah. but, and, and, you know, that's, no, that's this so is Northwest. Northwest. So. And it's whaling. I mean, Connecticut was huge into whaling in the Moby Dick and, you know, Melville and all that has a bit historical. And this, this had a little whaling in it on the West Coast. But so to take a, take a little detour, that was, that always appealed to me too. But so I'm going to say it's Spielberg had that this weird idea of this whole sequence that they at least storyboarded you're hearing they shot apparently according to Donner it's and a like lot of people unit. that he said to Spielberg like look you love you love the ape stuff like why don't you go and you shoot second unit and apparently can you imagine being like one of the actors in the ape costumes like <laughs> I was directed by Spielberg it's a loss but I was doing you know Second unit. <laughs> Supposedly, yeah. Spielberg went and shot a lot of this stuff with the apes. Yeah. And nobody can find it. Nobody can find the footage. That's interesting. And it's like scripts and there's storyboards and apparently, apparently Spielberg went and directed all this stuff. Yeah. And then it didn't make it. I've seen, the st- I've seen the I've seen the storyboards. Yeah. Because they have the sequences of what happens, the action. I, I, I haven't seen the footage. There's another... S- sequence notorious that was cut out and that's at the end of the movie the squid sequence which yeah. is the squid is very much like uh, Disney's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea squid where when they fall into the water a squid comes out it's huge huge squid starts grabbing people and stuff and then Chunk is able to, to, to fend it away by taking his boombox and turning da- on no, data. data yeah he turns on his C- Cindy Lauper song it's, it's like a Walkman or something yeah and he puts it in his mouth it's pu- in the mandibles or whatever you call that or the, or the, the, the pincher and then I thought the thing flew away and was trying to get it out of its mouth, but I don't know if it's or it's interpreted that it's starting to dance. <laughs> yeah, but it it, 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 it was gets some its signal that was like written specifically for it about eight arms. Yeah, so there's a, and that's a that's a that's a little they get um, Cindy Lauper to do the to, to do a song for this. She shows up uh, in the music video that they're watching at the beginning from MTV. She does a music video for this, and in it there's like a freaking uh, it's a Goonies themed. Lou Albano's in it. Yeah, uh, Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. <laughs> Spielberg has a we cameo. We see if we could find it and put it in. Yeah, put, it's, it's like a 12-minute video. But she does a song that it shows up in the squid sequence, but they end up cutting, and that's the song that, like you said, Data Hits Play throws this in it's the squid's mouth. They end up cutting the sequence, but they're like, screw it, we're going to put the song out anyway. So they release it maybe like on 45. Yeah. And it tanks because no one knows the single. Because they don't know the song in the movie, they don't even. They should have played it on the credits. You know, they should have yeah. put found another place to put it. So the, it it was terribly sold. But I hear it's one of the most sought after. You yeah. know, to find one of these like on eBay, like a forty five of the single of uh, whatever the heck the name of the song was, um, which is which is pretty funny. Uh, I think it's called Goonies Are Good Enough. Well, that's that's the, the one that she sings in the video. Okay, uh, that that does play at the end credits. Okay. There's some other song that plays. Yeah, we'll figure out the like name of it. 
squid oriented. <laughs> it's like the eight arms of love or something like that is the name of it. Yeah. Uh, so that was one sequence. And then there's another sequence where they um, they stop at the convenience the, store. Yeah, and then there's a whole this whole business where you get a little more about how. Uh, I mean that that is a little more plot oriented. Where I mean I know it goes on a bit, but I could uh, you know you have like Sean Astin figures another element of he he opens the map of the county or the city and he sees his map. The pirate map matches that. And yeah. Then there's a little bullying because little Troy tro- comes up. More Troy bullying action. Uh, and then. And then there's a little more of like Chunk, and then it's, you see this real disgusting stuff where like Chunk is opening the uh, ice cream containers, and he's 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 opening the ice cream, and he's licking one of each, and he's putting the top <laughs> back on, and he's shutting the. Oh, Chunk! So that's pretty disgusting right there. But uh, apparently, the kid who played Chunk. Oh, okay, yeah, right. The soundtrack includes Eight Arms to Hold You" by the Goon Squad. It was removed from this yeah, Squid scene. Yeah, so that's that's the Cindy Lauper song, Eight Arms to Hold You." By the Goon Squad. The Goon Squad. So um, that sequence of them at the at the convenience store that's taken out. And then so this movie only it's what it's under two hours, I guess. Yeah, but just shy. I yeah. mean, it's almost a full two. So we get the so we have the Goonies. Is there's there's uh, an area of um, the where they are in Astoria, Oregon, called Goondocks. And that's why they're called the Goonies because the area, the yeah. you know, it's on the, the they're on the waterfront. It seems like it was at one time like a seafaring town for whatever. Sure, you know, if there's if they were doing whaling or fishing or kind of like you know that kind of deep deep fishing, and now you have this the the developer, the rich guy Troy's father is taking the for I don't know if it's eminent domain, but there's something they're losing their land because they're going to be making a golf course, and that's another thing you learn in that sequence, the deleted scene. He's like, I can't wait. The Troy's like, I can't wait till my dad, because I'm going to be teeing off on your fucking, your fucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's such a yeah. f- mean asshole. So, so they only have until like that evening or the next day, you know, before all their homes get, homes yeah. get repoed. It, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing because it's... Because it sets a clock up and you know you love a clock. I know. It sets up a clock, but it also... It's a, it's a weird thing because it's... It's implied it's everybody, but it's re- but really only the urgency seems like Sean Astin's uh, like I don't I don't get this. Well, Data says too. He I'm says we're moving. He's he's moving to Detroit, right? His dad. Yeah, like, I don't moving. know. It seems like it's not like driven a, home that it's like all the goodies are going to be misplaced. No, but I think misplaced. they're going to be. I feel like Corey Feldman, his father, the the mad mad whatever the plumber is. I I, I feel like he is. And then, because Sean Astin seems the only one like really upset by it. Yeah, and he's the only one that's like, I don't want to. Yeah, and people, <laughs> like, eh, well, even though this is the last day we're ever going to hang out together. Yeah, they're kind of over. They just want to sit <laughs> home and watch like music videos on MTV all day, you know. And it's kind of a shitty day out. It's raining and stuff like that. So he's the one like trying to get the keep the band back. Here. Let's have one last Goonies adventure. And they're kind of over. It almost feels like too that they're like growing out of it. I mean, like I mean, they are still kid kids with with. Like chunk on the lower spectrum and data doing gadgets, but like, I feel like uh, mouth Corey Feldman's character is kind of you know he's he's now kind of getting into look, getting into girls. Josh Brolin's completely he's 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 a complete teenager working out. He just he didn't pass his license, so he's sixteen. So Sean Astin's like trying to have one last adventure with everybody. Yeah, this you know one last heist, and they go up and then you know that's why the plot is so fluid where it's like. You learn. You have the business with the uh, with the w- when the mom comes home and she brings home the translator. That's something. That's another thing. Like or the the housekeeper, the Spanish housekeeper. 
That's another thing that's so odd in this, but it works. And that's another thing that I well, remember when I was little. The funny thing is, I haven't seen this in so long either. Like, I always just said, the way she is at the end of the movie, like, I always just assumed that she was like their their housekeeper. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you didn't realize that that's like her first day on the job. <laughs> yeah. And then her mother, the, so you don't know. Until I watched it this time, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that she is, that is her first day on the job. And you don't realize and that she's a real fucking dick. <laughs> And then, like, the mother hurt herself, and she's, you know, she, that's, and that's why she's bringing her to help. But then she's like, I want the place clean when they tear the house down. Yeah. And then something my mom would be like. Yeah, have it all, like, nice and, you know. <laughs> Yeah, like, it wants to be perfect. And, uh, yeah, and then mouth translates in Spanish all this real terror. And this is another reason why they it's a little okay in the second show. Yeah, you know, and then the, <laughs> the marijuana. The sex dungeon. Yeah, don't, don't do this. You'll be there for no food or no water. So it's like, those are, again, adult jokes, which, you know. I guess it's 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 funny, you know. It's 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 now it's thirty five years removed, but I it's guess. <laughs> you know, it's back then it was like that. That was hilarious, you know. And so then you have that plot, and then all of a sudden they're like they have nothing to do. Let's go up to the attic and find some, like look for a buried treasure or whatever. And they or because uh, they, they have oh they're they're talking about like getting rid of everything in the house. And yeah. what are you gonna what are you gonna do with all the stuff in the attic? And they go up to the attic, and this is where the plot gets rolling. With the uh, you know they find the tread the chunk poor ch- and then this is what I said the bullying where they got they make they make chunk perform before he's able to get into the house and even though you know he's a lovable guy but he's like the, I used to remember the jokes like oh you know Michael Jackson came over to, to use your bathroom I remember that being hilarious and I was little like all these little things that he made up okay yeah. I didn't so he's known over, around town he's as this boy big, that cried wolf chunk. yeah to, to like everybody. And uh, like at the beginning with the with the when he's when he's playing the video games and he he's and him him that was always a big thing where he puts the stuff up against the thing and he gets it all <laughs> over himself like he's all dirty. Well, uh, apparently, uh, Jeff Cohen had the, chunk. the chicken pox. Yeah, and didn't want to tell anybody because he didn't want to lose his job. So, so he showed up. To, yeah, so he, he was doing truffle shuffle. You can see some pox on his on his chest oh, and that's stomach. So hilarious. Yeah, so he's able to get in there, and then Which that, is pretty dangerous because had the other had the other kids not had it. Yeah, they can get they can get that's very communicable. <laughs> you <laughs> you got to shut down the whole production <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then if any older people, it's worse. I hear as you get older, you yeah. know. So you know, you can die from some pox. But uh, God damn you, chunk. Yeah, so that so that's how it gets the plot rolling, and then they 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 find stuff upstairs. So let's go on this adventure, and then from A to B, they're they're already at this restaurant, and then you know, then well, you know, like you know, you could say that like. Watching it now as like a jaded adult, you could be like, "This is, you know, like everything just falls into their lap." You know, like he sees the the he sees the map, and then chunk knock somebody knocks over the Chester Copperpot thing. Yeah, you know, it's like it's too easy. Yeah, but then you know, with the with the combination of like this magic, the like the whimsical score when that shit happens, <laughs> and then at the end when he whimsical when he tells when. Uh, Sean Astin, when Mike and uh, when Mikey's talking to uh, One-Eyed Willie, and he's like, you know, you were expecting me, weren't you? Like, it see, does- there's this weird subplot of One-Eyed Willie, which which I don't get because they say in either a unused scene, either they it never got, it, either it's it, either it's in the novelization or it's something that never made plot, is that they were gonna. F- this is what I don't understand because One-Eyed Willie. In the novelization, like one on Willie is uh, this, the, he was a court jester. They go into this backstory, and he's in a pirate, and he's banished from five Spanish courts. He's for practical jokes, and he, he's a marauder, and he um, he gets his hidden treasure in his underground cavern and cannon fire. And the British were they, just, they go into the whole backstory of one on Willie, and they were going to find uh, that that's from the, the the Goonies storybook, and then in 
I don't know if that's another. So they find an inhaler with one-eyed Willie, like an asthma inhaler. So that's what I understand because asthma technology, they wouldn't have an <laughs> inhaler in the 1700s. Yeah, I don't know. But it's supposed to signify that Sean Astin's character is the reincarnation of one-eyed Willie. And this is why he has this strong urging and connection to One-Eyed Willie, where he's talking to One-Eyed Willie, and then at the end, like you write, he has this weird interaction yeah. with One-Eyed like, I got you, One-Eyed Willie. <laughs> <laughs> I got, got you, you And then he realizes, too, and I don't think, I mean, maybe because the kid's smart, but he's he, he leaves the this is one eye Willie's, yeah, yeah, and that's also a booby trap. Well, my con, the you know, my point is like in the context of the movie, this idea of like, like I said earlier, with like the, they find the map, like it's almost it's fate almost, and I feel like, you know, like I said, the plot, it's it's very easy, you know. There's it's it's you know, the, everything just kind of falls into their lap, and so by the end, he's like you're kind of expecting this. I feel like there is. You know, I can I can buy this idea of like there's this higher force that is that is directing u- them, uniting to, them. Yeah, and I think a lot of um, you know, like I said, the the way the, the the whimsical aspects of the score that kind of when they find the map, you know, it kind of it does it feels magical. There's yeah, something, there's something otherworldly about it that I kind of really connected with this time around. So yeah, so in the novelization by James Kahn. Not the James Conn we know. James, well, that's is, why it might be. We yeah. don't. This is Con K A H N, not C A A N. Uh, they have uh, when Mikey finds One-Eyed Willie's skeleton, he discovers he has an a- asthma inhaler, which Mikey suffers from asthma and leads Mikey to believe that he is One-Eyed Willie's uh, reincarnation, and it was his destiny to find One-Eyed Willie's treasure. So that's in the novelization. There's a lot of, and then there's another part in the novelization where in the storybook. Where there, uh, there's a scene where all the kids are. They discover this room with dangling skeletons and pirate costumes, and they got to tickle one of the skeletons' elbows to open one of these three tunnels, and then tickle the brim. Yeah, tickle the brim a little bit, <laughs> and then the uh, Steph tickles one of the elbows, and, it, and the skeleton points to the middle cave. And then there was another sequence which I thought was interesting that I saw that was storyboarded, but I don't think they shot, which is kind of to me like almost Temple of Doom, where the scene where. Uh, Sean Astin accidentally kisses um, what's her face and there's that silhouette where there was going to be uh, all of a sudden out of the wall a skeleton was going to come like and, and he was going to be like on a on uh, wheels like almost like a little like a, a, a little uh, what do you call that like a little uh, a track yeah yeah cart so he's like on a little cart but like something you sit stand on like you, you know something you like you roll like a couch on or something like and and, and it was going to shoot out they're going to get out of the way and it was just and it was going to like go into the wall and explode and that was going to lead them to another thing but it was something like it that pirate almost looked a lot like the garfield halloween pirate where it had the pi- <laughs> it had the helmet well, on it, was it had a little yeah so. exactly that's why i kind of looked a lot like you know it's, it's drawn but it had like a like a cutlass in its hand and it was like you know, it was in a crouched position and it would shoot out they get out of the way and it was on like these, a roller and it would go right into the wall yeah you know a lot more deadly because i the see i completely kind of forgot the sequence where they have to play with the piano and then yeah. the shit's fall so you get very much like um, that steven spielberg like last uh Last crusade. crusade word like you know in the Jehovah alphabet uh, you know Jehovah begins with an I J <laughs> you know and it's like and then yeah, it's yeah. there's always it's 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 always in the Spielberg movies like in, Raider, in Raiders of the Lost Ark where they go over the cliff and there's this endless bar ah, you know and I feel like there's that there where the, when, oh, the, yeah, when yeah. the wall you know and the things opening you know uh, so 
then yeah, you had the Fratellis in, and the entire fr- town's built on this very yeah, shady yeah, uh, you foundation. Know, <laughs> of, and it's almost like Lost Boys. Like endless pits. Remember Lost Boys has there that hotel that sank where the vampires are. Yeah. It's like that that seaside kind of a town, and I could feel like this could almost be the world of the Lost Boys. Like they share that kind of world where down the coast in Northern California or wherever it is, <laughs> you have these you know you have these vampires. The, you know, there's a. I mean, that's not a Spielberg. That's Donner, but uh, there is... But there's a Corey Feldman connection. Corey Feldman could be the same kid. He moves down and, you know, because his parents are like, We're, we already moved. <laughs> and we already bought a house. We can't... This ain't going to save the day. To, I forget what the name of the town is in that. You know? But there's a... Uh, there's this thought... There's this theory, and I, and I wasn't able to find enough about it to be able to explain the connection. But there's this theory that, uh, that some viewers have that E.T., Poltergeist, Gremlins, Back to the Future, and Goonies all take place in the same universe. Well, they make a... They, when There's when, a Gremlins reference yeah, in the movie. And that's but. him quiet, uh, chunk crying wolf again. Uh, but you could see that. I mean, it's almost like uh, the Monster Squad taking place like in the same world as like the Fog or like, you know, it's like these... You see these kind of... Or la- la- last Starfighter, you know, you can kind of see that being in a world. You know, it's yeah, all we these... Make the, we make other connections. Yeah, we, we make <laughs> it that... that Blowout and Rocky take place <laughs> because of the end. Yeah, because of the and, end uh, sequence and that uh, and that slap shot and George Romero's Martin take place in the scene. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's Pittsburgh <laughs> in the Philadelphia area. You know, while that's happening, or maniac is taking place at the same time as like you know, I, we had another one. Uh, so, I mean, the, the shooting script was over 120 pages, and I think that's where you have a lot of that Spielberg like. Uh, fat in it, and that's yeah, where yeah. Donner's in there. Like you know, you you know that that's in the editing room. They had to, they had to ADR a lot of this because of you know, they had spent six weeks of ADR, and because probably a lot of the dialogue wasn't clean with the improv and stuff like that. That you know? and uh, you know, I mean, a lot of I think there's more ADR work that gets done than people realize. Oh yeah, yeah. And then probably the kids probably takes them forever to actually do the ADR. Yeah, as well. So it probably lengthens the actual ADR process. I mean, anything that's shot outside or in, like, a set that has, like, running water and all that oh, shit, yeah, like, all, all that, like, re- they re-record the audio for all that in every movie. Uh, yeah, so it's just, and there's this, the set, the sets are elaborate. I mean, they're, like, they're, you know, with, with when they're, they're in the tunnels and they find uh, Keenan Wynn, a.k.a. Chester Copperpot, and those things are coming down, or when they're in the, the old restaurant and you could see through the floors and, you know, and then... That was another joke when I was little, like, you know, when, when they go into the walk-in fridge and there's the FBI agent in there, you're not even really sure if the FBI agent, if they kidnapped the FBI agent or the FBI agent was tailing them because they shoot them. Something. There's you know? a reference to it. Like, yeah. They didn't have to kill them. Yeah. And, then, and, they're, they're st- you know, and I find the two of them hilarious, uh, Joe Pantoliano, Robert Davi. Yeah. It's you know, funny because it's... They, they, and they, they feel like they have a connection with, like, you know, they, uh, at the beginning when they can't open the door, you yeah. know, and then he has to jump in the top or... You know when they're when they're bumbling around and the mom uh, and the mom's really slapping the shit out of them. You know <laughs> what's her face is really. I mean, there's them. parts of it that you know, f- as a, I guess as an adult, it seems like just a little too cartoonish for me. But yeah, not so much so that I it bothers me. Too it's eighties, but I understand that it's also like as a kid, you know, like this, you know, slipping on the on the log and on you know flipping like Joe Pantoliano does when. Oh yeah, flipping around. Yeah, yeah like, or even you get you get when when uh, Data punches 
when Robert Davi gets up to him yeah, and he yeah. punches him with the thing you hear, there's a sound effect that's very like, you know, like, uh, you know, like, or something, like, you know what I mean? You even get like a little, like, yeah, a wah, I mean, it's a little you know goofy. I mean? Some of the stuff with them is a, a bit goofy, but I guess it kind of needs that. You need those. It's like Baby's Day Out, which I think is also Joe Pantoliano. Like you need like that zany home alone kind of, yeah. you're getting to that point where you see, I mean, I can't say Home Alone is a realistic movie, but some of those pratfalls in Home Alone are just devastating to the human body that Joe Pesci and uh, what's his face Bruce Dur- Br- Daniel Stern takes <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Stern. Stern hey Bruce Stern would have been a great <laughs> a great thingy Bruce Stern was probably a little too old for no, it no but if, but it, it, if it, him in the day that know? would have been an interesting cast are you choice. gonna do it like this that's <laughs> it we kill him um, so but like so you know you can see the slapstickness of it all um, Sean Astin says that he he, he he kept the treasure map and brought it home, and then several years later, Patty Duke was his mother was cleaning out his room, thought it was just some trash, and threw it out. So yeah, you, Patty Duke, and I love Patty Duke. God bless Patty Duke. Uh, and his his father just celebrated a birthday, uh, or his stepfather, John Aston, is maybe turned like eighty eight or eighty nine. He's he's God bless him. Uh, whatever. What what else? Oh, they so they and then the, the, at the end they the coup de gras they built that whole pirate ship. Yeah, like that fucking thing was built, and then at the end of it, they're like. They were going to donate. Nobody wanted it. I'm not saying like the actor take home, but no production company. Like you, you could have put that somewhere and like left it and you could have shot a whole shitload of movies on there, but they ended up, I think they cannibalized some of it. Disney took some of it to, to, to fix some of the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, thing they had, uh, the ride, but a lot of it just was taken apart and the Goonies house is very, like this place people go, they'll go to Historia, they'll go see the, the jail where, where, they, where they break out at the beginning has now become like the Goonies Museum. Yeah. For the movie, and then you can go see the house. There's like I think it's called the Wal- Walsh, like John Walsh. Uh, the f- that's where they shot the Goonies house. It looks a lot different, but they get you know. Well, I think their last name is Walsh. So oh, is that movie. in the movie? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought it was the the people who own the house. Yeah. So Walt. So you know you have people knock on your door all the time. You know, can I see the? Can I come inside? So they must have done something like yeah. the museum. It's, it's uncomfortable at some point. Yeah, I mean, because like I would imagine when I was in California last, I went. And I was I did, did a self, <laughs> I did a, a, a self guided <laughs> Halloween tour. You posted some of that. And stuff, you imagine yeah. it's got to be weird to be like living in Laurie Strode's house and have all these people like walking over and taking pictures and, of your house. And I don't even think you get as many people like Goonies. I think would be like the, you know, I mean, it is out of the way. You got to go up to Oregon. I, mean, I guess when you but, live in California, you got to be used to it. But. Yeah, but like a play, like a, a movie that's so um, like such a cult classic as like Goonies. Like it's almost like. I don't know. There's got to be some other kind of equivalent, but it's just like that is you could figure it. People are taking like these, like these, uh, 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 you know, homage. They're trying to, you know, go up to these things and they're really just taking these, you know, these like the, your life kind of, you know, oh, I'm going to go up there and, you know, I've been waiting all my life to see this. Like this, there's this, this great exposition uh, on the box set for the show, the British show Spaced. Yeah. With uh, Simon Pegg, yeah. directed by Edgar Wright. There, there's this documentary on the box set and there's this great thing at like towards the end of the documentary where they go to the house where that's the you know the flat Mm -hmm. where that they use as the exterior and they go in and then there's people that actually come that are outside taking pictures of it who are fans of the show and then simon Pegg comes walking out of the house (laughs) to go talk to them and it must have been so surreal that they go because they're fans of the show's face. They go to find the exterior of the of the house, and then and he's then, there, so they can take picture. And then, his, then it's like the character comes walking out of the house. I've seen a lot of that with um, 
like Schwarzenegger dressing up as the Terminator for yeah. like promotion or whatever, or yeah, even Vincent Price talks about. When well, they he, had the one people ran up to the stairs of the Philadelphia. Oh, uh, right. museum, and then yeah. Stallone standing at the top of the stairs. That's but, brilliant. But still, to go see like a house and not expecting. And then like if you go see the Goonies house, yeah, and then have them come and out. then have like Sean Astin and Corey Feldman yeah. walking, Josh Brolin having a cup of coffee <laughs> and the sweats. <laughs> like what the hell? Uh, what other points here? So, uh, I mean, it does well when it comes out. You know, people freaking love it. I mean, I, I don't. It's it's reviewed favorably. I mean, people aren't saying this is like the the, the you know the greatest thing since sliced bread, but it it, it has a it has a it, it gains a huge cult following. And then for years, this this thing seems like it'd be ripe for a sequel. Well, you know, when I was in uh, when we were in film school, I had uh, I was pushing for uh, Goonies two back to the Goondocks. Yeah, it was a little sequel I was working on. Which is weird because you weren't you weren't holding. I this wasn't, movie but fa- I was favorable. into the. I understood yeah. that there was there the was there was there was room for <laughs> for a sequel, and it was going to be the son. It was one of the, it was going to be the kids of the new ones of now. the Goonies, and uh, that never materialized. Never, they didn't buy that one from me. They didn't steal that one from. They didn't. <laughs> we had a wired we had, we, in our room. Yeah, that we, was one they didn't take. We uh, we've had a lot of. Um, We've had a lot of things taken from us, but that's a that's a, <laughs> a story for another day. But for years, they've had every all the cast members have been asked, and they said they've been into doing a, uh, a sequel. Uh, Richard Donner's like, I'm up to do a sequel. We have they've been trying to find the right story. They think they found the right story. Steven Spielberg says he'd be into it, but everyone is just pushing back and saying that it's Warner that doesn't show the. Warner doesn't think there's the interest to do a sequel. And I wonder if it's I, the idea now of what we've talked about with Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Hocus Pocus where since it's not a temple movie, they're like, well, why do we care? Like, we shouldn't, you know. They, I don't know. I bet you it'll happen. I think now. How, how, what, we got to wait to. I mean, you know, they're all pushing. You know, I know. 40, I mean, it might know? be a little too late, but I think they'll do something. with. I think, like, the phenomenon that is Stranger Things. Yeah. And this whole... 80s nostalgia thing that's been happening um, in pop culture right now. It, they'd be stupid not to. But, yeah. you know, I don't, what can you do? I don't, I don't know. I, honestly, like, I don't see <clears throat> like a full reunion making a good movie, unfortunately. Like, I could see, like, I could see there being, like, the kids of the Goonies. Yeah. Like, the next generation of the Goonies. It'd be fun if, you know who you need to get? You need to get, like, Stallone to write that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you, I mean, I, you, you could have said to me a couple years ago, get new Rambo this. movie. Goody 2. Yeah. Goody's 2, written by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> you know, because he, he revived Rocky, which I never thought he'd be able to revive. He revived did, did Rambo. It, well, I mean, he didn't. You know, you know, he allowed Creed to happen. So in a sense, he did it twice. Yeah, and he did Rocky Balboa, which was good. And he, he did wrote Rocky that. Balboa, and he did, he did Rambo fun. Four, which is fucking awesome. Which is amazing. So it's like he Slug he's able to take king of, uh, you know take that kind of thing and and you know uh, I know not everyone's a fan of his writing, but I think he if he can reboot stuff, screw it, you know. And I mean, you could have it be both. You could have it be the the the, the, par- the kids and the parents. But evidently, they do have a script that they like that they've all read that that is that is being played. Also, you know. Uh, People might not realize that there is a Goonies too, and it's just for NES. Oh yeah, yeah they, they, they <laughs> did the a video, video game. game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is day. yeah, and they and I mean they had a uh, a whole bunch of video games when this came out, and then now recently they did like a, they, there's one of these Lego video games. They have a Goonies level in the in the in the Legos game where you can go and you play and you do the pirate ship and all that kind of a thing. Um, well, one of the what ifs here is Heather uh, Loggenkamp auditioned for the role. 
and uh, she didn't get it, and she was really pissed that she didn't get it. Known for Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah, and she was she was really Miss pissed. Nancy, she didn't get it. So, because uh, she's twenty at the time, and they wanted her to play a sixteen-year-old, they thought she was too old, so she's pissed. So then, they Steven Spielberg remembers that she's pissed because she makes it known like she's upset. So by the time Jurassic Park comes around, he offers the role of Jurassic Park to her, but she turns it down because she's already doing New Nightmare. The Laura Dern part, I guess. Yeah. I can't imagine what other parts she would play in that. Yeah. She, they, they offer her a, uh, a role in Jurassic Park as Dr. Yeah, uh, Ellie Sadler, which is probably the, the Laura Dern part. And uh, she says no because she's doing um, New Nightmare, which is 94, Wes Craven. So that's about the uh, the only, I think, uh, aside from the Corey Haim thing that I can remember that that's like big what ifs here. If, yeah. if these people, you know... Um, yeah, it would just be fun because everyone, I mean, especially like, you know, I mean, uh, what's his face is getting up there. Robert Davi's like, you know, he's 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 in his late <laughs> 60s. Uh, Joe Pantoliano, be fun, you know, if you bring everybody back. Pantoliano's still holding it together. Yeah, but he's, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's older old. now, you know. And I've met Robert Davi several times. He's such a nice guy. And I got to meet Corey Feldman a couple months ago. He was a super, super nice guy. He got stabbed. You know, I saw that. Yeah. And then he's got a harem of girls he brings around with him that are just gorgeous. And they're all just like this, this, this Corey Feldman harem, and he's kind of straight edge now, where he stopped drinking and doing drugs, but he he backs a, a form of e-cigarette, so he's got like a real, it's like one of these heavy nicotine e-cigarettes, you know? Yeah. And really nice guy, but he, to me, it's weird because Corey Feldman's the kind of guy who's always looked the same as he's gotten older. He doesn't really like 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 what's his face, the guy who played Chunk looks different now. You have yeah. to like, I know you from somewhere, but Corey. Uh, it's almost like Corey Haim as well. Both Corys, as they got older, or even Sean Astin, he's kind of filled out a little bit, but he kind of looks the same. But Corey Feldman to me just looks exactly the same, you know, which is... which is Sean Astin was just in the uh, second season of Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Since we keep on bringing it up, we might as well mention it. <laughs> yeah, and I, mean, and I think Stranger Things wouldn't have the popularity it had had you not had these these kind of movies it's like the Goonies. and harkening back to... The Goonies and, and Monster Squad, yeah, and, and Explorers, and you know, and and it, I, I think it really, you know, you get that there, and you get the, you know, that wouldn't have been just as popular had it not been that, that these movies have become freaking cult classics for whatever reason. Like I said, we've had, we've had requests since this podcast began to do this, this blockbuster, like The I Goonies. Said, I'm a big Rudy fan. You're a big, you love Je- Rudy. Just watched Rudy yeah. again for the eight millionth time. Yeah, and then you love the Lord of the Rings. He's in all 17 <laughs> of the Lord of the Rings I'm films. Not, not as much a fan of the Lord of the Rings movies, but I certainly would not uh, begrudge anyone no. who is. Uh, so I just, I'm looking for something here because uh, I need to give a shout out to a Sean Astin movie that nobody, uh, we might be the first people to ever shout it out. I'm going to give a shout out to Keenan Wynn playing the role of Chester Copperpot. <laughs> <laughs> we might have actually given this movie a shout out on a on a sidecast. Okay, but I'm going to if I can find it, I'm going to shout it out one more time. Now the the one's it's called Icebreaker. Oh yeah, you like Icebreaker from 2000. Yeah, from the year 2000. Then. It's basically uh, Die Hard on a Mountain. Yeah, where the bad guy is played by Bruce Campbell yeah, with awesome. a shaved head. A shaved head Bruce Campbell. You don't get that enough. That's the end of the <laughs> and, of the and Die Sean Hard remake. Sean plays the, the, He's plays the, the John McClane part. That's around that time. Is like a uh, not River's Edge. Straight at what's the movie with Alec Baldwin and uh, and uh, Anthony Hopkins where they, they, they? Oh yeah, what is the name of that? Movie? Something Edge. 
the bitter edge, the cutting edge. You know, they get all these movies where they're stuck someplace. Or cutting edge, good movie. Yeah, you love cutting edge. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and the last thing we should say is that there is a uh, uh, a Goonies oath that gets cut from the oh, film. Yes, the oath. But the oath goes, "quote I will never betray my goon doc friends. We will stick together until the whole world ends." Through heaven and hell and nuclear war, good pals like us will stick like tar in the city or the country or the forest or the boonies. I am proudly declared a fellow goonie. And that's the oath they have to take. And at some point in the movie, they were arguing with, uh, what's her face, the redhead, Steph. And they're like, she's not a goonie. And they're like, well, make her a goonie. So they make her have, she does the oath. They have to have her take the oath. Okay, now you're part of the club. You can come with us or whatever. You need to steal a couple of circulars. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You got to go and hide out in the freaking thing. And then you got to go put, you know, egg people's houses. And and, and that was another thing. We egg people's house or you'd hit the doorbell and run. I hated that. You know, it's just the anxiety because people are gonna. It's like the old days. People are gonna see you. I never did the thing w- which I thought was horrible, putting the the, the poop yeah, in the bag, bag and then setting the bag on fire. Because that's just that's. I can only imagine that now. How infuriating that would be. I'd shoot a kid if that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn kids! Yeah, I shot a kid. Uh, and then you know, also we should give a shout out to. Um, John Mazuka, Mazuka, I think his name is the uh, who played Chunk. He was a very seasoned football player who was very famous. He was in a lot of good movies. Who died tragically at 38 in the late 80s? But he had a crazy career as like he was into drugs and he was into uh, all kinds. Of, he was like six foot eight and he was like 300 pounds. And he was like a he's one of the f- like a lineman uh, uh, for football and he was like a freaking freight train. And, yeah. And he's um and if you're an NFL uh, football person, you'd know who he is. And he did a lot of work in the 80s. It's kind of sad, you know. If you go look him up, there's he had kind of a sad career. Where he was trying to keep stay straight and then you know. Uh, keep his career clean, and then he ended up passing away. But five hours of makeup for that thing will always be chunked to us. Yeah, because there's always there's animatronics in that thing yeah. too. So it's crazy. So yeah, so um, this is movie's been like I said, uh, people have been asking us since the 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 the, the, the conception dawn of this of time. dawn of time. My wife's been asking, let's do Goonies, and like we'll we'll, we'll get to Goonies at some point. Uh, they declared June seventh official Goonies Day in in uh, Astoria. If you want to go to Astoria in Oregon. That's the official Goonies Day. Um, and uh, what else, I guess? That's about it, right? Uh, good I movie. I guess. I mean, hopefully we did it justice. Yeah, it's one and, of those it's just, like, it's iconic just so movies. Much, you know? And there's another thing where it's like they say when it, ed- when it goes on to uh, TV, NBC added the scenes of uh, like uh, sl- uh, Sloth and Chunk doing stuff like on the trail of the Goonies. But then they cut out 20 minutes of the other regular movie. <laughs> So it's like sometimes you, we talked about that where you have multiple versions, yeah, for because TV or even the airplanes, yeah, and the, you, they need to make it an extra to fill it out. So they add like deleted scenes. Nowadays that doesn't happen; they'll just cut the crap out because they they even speed it up. We, you and I talk, they speed up movies now. I counted that a couple of weeks ago. I was watching a movie late at night, Transformers, maybe, and they sped the fucking thing up. Yeah. How do you how do you watch a movie on TV nowadays? When it's you told me that there was a story with you with Rocky, right? I watched was watching Rocky and I was watching. I was like, this doesn't feel right. And you know, as Dion knows, and as I've discussed on many a podcast, not just ours, that like <laughs> you know, you want to see me cry, just put Rocky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take take <laughs> but like, the movies. But I wasn't think, like emotionally. I wasn't. It wasn't hitting me right. And I realized it was because it wasn't being played at the right speed. They sped it up to be able to fit more commercials in or something. Yeah, to hit the the timing. So uh, it, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't emotionally invested in it. Or you know, it wasn't, like it it was hitting those wasn't, points. The rhythms were weird. Yeah. So, it just, and it's not your fault. It's just the something that you don't realize because it's you. 
I think some not everyone would notice it because yeah. the pitch is the same. So, yeah. the, so everything sounds, but you just why is it it's so just quick? A couple of more, for the, it's a couple more frames. And all you're getting is what, like five minutes, or <laughs> I don't know how much you're getting, know. like just an extra commercial. And one more commercial break. It's just terrible. And um, I don't know. It's just it's so odd to me. And that Davi talks about he was slated to do Rambo too, and I'm thinking, anybody in Rambo too, he must have been up for the Martin Cove role, Probably. you know. And then he kind of had to get out of it because they cast him in this, and there was some sort of like scheduling conflict and Stallone called I was like well, why are you doing this movie? <laughs> yeah. why aren't you doing why aren't you doing two so you know he ended up getting this but uh, it, it, it's certainly and we have a great poster by the old um, Drew uh, Struzan yeah. who did the poster who we you know I, he's worked with a lot with uh, maybe both Columbus very much in the uh, in the vein of the uh Adventures of Babysitting poster. Oh, they're all oh the one where they're on a stalactite and they're like hanging on for dear yeah, life, and and, uh, and they're all holding each other's Adventures legs. Of babysitting when she's on, the, on the, side the side of the building, of the building and, and they're, they're all holding, hanging on the rope. And which that's a one we've covered last year, uh, I think around this time last uh, February or Good March. Movie. Adventures of Babysitting. Yeah, <laughs> no one gets off the stage until they sing the blues. <laughs> it's another dark movie where it's like there's breasts, there's shit, there's nudity, yeah. there's playboys, there's you know it's all good old days. Good old days, you know. If anybody we can were find very that, lucky to grow up at the time that we yeah, because it's, it's so different. Although now it's you should talk about desensitization if that's even a word of like you know you can do it you can find anything you want on your phone. Where we were just finding playboy, trying to find a playboy was we tough. had to hunt. <laughs> yeah, we had to on the hunt doing the bra ads. Yeah, G- yeah, <laughs> the catalog and then JC Penney's. You pass the toy ads. You look at the bra ads or or your National Geographic. <laughs> oh, I digress. Anyway. Yeah. So we hope we've done this some justice. Yes. Uh, this is an epic movie of epic proportions. Yeah, I don't. You know, we didn't. We you know, usually when we do a movie this popular, we try to tackle it in a certain way, like Raiders or Star yeah. Wars. But well, this was like know, a celebration. W- yeah, we just were celebrating. You know, 1985 and, and this movie that and this is like it really was lightning in a bottle because it's it's you need it had the right cast, it had the right people. Doing it, it had the right music. Like it I had said, the right of all the story of all the kids on an adventure movies. Yeah. This is probably the most popular. Uh, yeah, probably the most popular, most successful, biggest yeah. one. You know, if there was a Mount Rushmore, It'd be Goonies. Of, of yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I certainly think this directly inspired. I mean, of course, but like I don't think Stranger Things would have oh, no. came to fruition if it hadn't been for the cult popularity of this. And you know. I don't think they were doing it on the popularity of like Monster Squad or Explorers, but you know, even yeah. like you see that this in the shades of it, you know, where I mean, I forget what year Stephen King writes it, but like you know, that's kids in an adventure too that just go horribly wrong. You yeah, know? so you know, <laughs> it's just other you know, horribly there's a lot of wrong, ho- horribly horribly. So there's a whole. It'd be interesting to do like a study, like do a podcast of all these kids on adventures. Maybe and, we'll do know, a sidecast someday. You know, when yeah, because I feel like there's even ones in the '70s where kids are going on an adventure. You know, yeah, they're, they're I mean, like to on their s- bikes. You, you know, know, you know, even to a certain extent. I mean, I, I'm sure you know, like a, there's got to be like Bad News Bears isn't one of these movies, but. The fact that Bad News Bears exists, yeah, and that indicates a, to me that there they're was going that way. There was like, a, yeah, some there was a there were movies yeah. that were revolving around kids with slightly more adult attitudes, you know, yeah. where they were the 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 uh, focus. Yeah, I mean, you get even back to like the Little Rascals, or even you could say you have to look and maybe you know, some of those, so maybe some of those Kurt Russell. Oh, the Disney, Disney movies, movies? yeah, might you know, be, of this, might be in that vein. You know, I mean, you get computer like computer war tennis shoes, yeah, like bed knobs <laughs> and broomsticks, or like even like the Mar- Mary Poppins a little bit, you know, with the kids, or even like the Bowery Boys, who they're like teenagers. Those the East, the, the dead end kids, or the East Side kids, but 
Anyway. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, I hope you like this. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another classic. Um, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on uh, in, uh, Twitter. Uh, check us out on our, our homepage. We have a lot of extras that Spread are the word. exclusive on our homepage. Have time, please take the time to rate and review the show on iTunes if you can. Yeah, like us, like like the Facebook page, like the Instagram page, like the uh, Twitter page. If you can like the, you know, you can tweet us, you can retweet us, you can yeah. share. Also, our stuff. feel free to check out Scored to Death the podcast. Yeah, which is available everywhere. And, uh, you know, if you're interested, go check out some 21 Pod Street, too. Since yeah. We brought it up in this episode. Blake Ventures. Maybe that'll come back. Yeah. Maybe Mike, Mike and I will, will bring that back someday. Yeah, you get a, you're on hiatus now because they're looking for a season two. You're going to finish <laughs> that season one and go to a season two. But this was fun, and, uh, you know, it's another Spielberg venture that we're, we're hitting. Was this the first Dick Donner movie? No, we did Lethal Weapon. We did Lethal Weapon. And we did... Uh, Not even that long ago. Yeah, yeah it was like two months ago. <laughs> Did he do, uh, who directed Lost Boys? Uh, it was Schumacher. Schumacher. But he oh, yes, you're right, it. you're right. Sure. How can I forget Joel Schumacher directing that? So, yes, yes. So, uh, we got a lot of elements here of things that we've done, so it's, it's always fun to see all these little cards come. And then next week, the movie we have is going to be exciting because there's, there's other, there's tons of other people. There's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot of, of guest stars on that one, so uh, I, I, we can't give you any hits, but it's going to be epic. So, um, we'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Later. Later.